Hello and good afternoon, Xbox Nation. Welcome to the special edition episode of the Xbox Factor Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Mr. Boomstick XL. And my goodness, the more Xbox news that continues to pour out, the more of these shows that we are going to do. And of course, Last Monday was the big Bethesda blowout, and this week, this Monday, another Xbox Monday revealed the embargo being lifted on backwards compatibility and what it means to the Xbox Series X. We're going to be opening the show with that and breaking down some of Jeff Grubb's comments as well as Digital Foundry's big comments regarding the Series X and backwards compatibility. But before we do that, let's get into the introductions. Now, this is a rather tight and small-ish panel, but listen, we all have big opinions. And joining me as usual, the cog that keeps this show rolling each and every week, Zemi Games, also known as Chef Zemi, welcome to the program. I'm surprised that you're back from the 1930s that you took the time after beating Mafia Definitive Edition that you're coming to hang out. Welcome. Man, let me tell you, the 1930s, it was great. You know, I was in Chicago. Technically, I was in Lost Haven. I was smoking uh, Lucky Strike cigarettes left and right. I mean, I mean, going after all the moonshine to sell into, you know, the, the, the bars. I mean, it was great, you know. Uh, Prohibition was not fun. Uh, no, I, I just beat Mafia 1 Definitive Edition, and it is so much fun. I thoroughly enjoyed the game. The racing mission, though, the racing mission, I, I hated that. I tried to I tried to beat the whole game on classic mode, uh, but then I got to that racing mission. I just couldn't do it, and I just ended up yeah, – it, it, it started making me upset, so I had to turn it on to normal. But I do plan to go back through on classic and beat everything, get all the achievements. But, I, I, uh, I won that race, by the way, FYI. I don't like you, Boom. I don't like you. Go <laughs> Introduce the next person. I don't like you anymore, Boom. <laughs> okay. Well, listen, today we are very, very blessed to have not only one, but the duo from a very new-ish podcast, but an Xbox podcast and one that I have been openly supporting for quite some time. And it is the duo from the Green Pass Gaming Podcast. They've only been around for around eight or nine weeks, but I think that they've made a big enough splash where not only am I a fan, I am pushing you to possibly sub their channel because I think you will be a fan. And this is the second time, Flap, you're making your second appearance on the Xbox Factor Podcast. Welcome back, my friend. Oh, thank you very much for having me, Boom. I, I obviously didn't uh, disappoint first time around, hopefully. So no, I, you I, certainly uh, did not. <laughs> got my repeat invite, so I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, uh, it's been a very crazy week, uh, you know, nine weeks for Pucks and I, because like I've said from the very beginning, you know, you kind of inspired me to get into this sort of game. And um, we, we dipped our toe in the water. Uh, and to be honest, it, it's just, just taken off from there. It's, it's been crazy. I mean, I think I did an interview with you, I mean, that must have been six weeks ago now. I think yes. we had about 40-something subscribers. We're now up to 350 nearly. So um, in that short space, that's, you know, that's phenomenal. We're so grateful. We've, we've, we've managed to harness such a fantastic element of this community. We absolutely love being involved in it. And, you know, people in the chat, it's just been so welcoming. And I'm so grateful for your support, Boom, and absolutely love being on this show. And I'm really stoked for these topics as well. I think we're going to have a great one. 
Well, listen, it's great to have you uh, back on uh, today's, obviously, special edition podcast. Because, you know, listen, th- there is quite a bit of Xbox news. And wh- one of the things I found, uh, tr- obviously, being retired allows me to pivot very easily in wanting to put one of these shows together. And I think that it it better suits the community as a whole when we can stretch out our opinions and points. Because w- w- one of the biggest things for me when it comes to anyone that has guested on this particular uh this program or any of the other live shows that i do weekly is your points are important to me and i believe that they are important to the community at large who tunes in and and recently the, the 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 amount of people watching live have been nothing short of really incredible numbers and uh and that's because i believe people are enjoying the banter but that's why i do so many of these shows because i like people to come in and let their hair down give their point of view and not feel like they have to rush through an opinion and that's why you're getting this particular special edition show because quite frankly there is just literally too much xbox news to cover in one two hour program but next up this is your co-host this is the first time he's making his debut on the xbox factor podcast pugsley welcome to the show my friend (laughs) hello thank you very much for having me mr boomstick it's very uh, much of a pleasure to be here well, listen, it, I, I guess, I, like I said, I've been a fan of you guys since I listened uh, to your episode when you, I think, I think it might have been the second or third episode that you guys did. And I said, wow, this is, this is really interesting stuff here. Finally, another Xbox program that not only uses sensibility uh, to their advantage, but has a way of keeping, uh, you know, criticism there but also being positive having a positive again i think we're all in the agreement that when microsoft needs to be scolded if you will we'll discuss it in a proper manner but when when there's a lot to cheer about and quite frankly there has been a lot to cheer about we uh we we will uh you know you know revel in the in the excitement of of the of the situation and i think that's what we're going to do here today but you know what i wanted to open the show with is what happened yesterday and obviously venture beats jeff grubb along with digital foundry uh uh shocked the gaming world by going hands-on with the xbox series x which they've had for a week already um, and as they stated in their video, the embargo was lifted and they were allowed to talk about the Series X more specifically regarding backwards compatibility. And, uh, you know, I got to tell you, wh- when I when I first th- saw the video go up and I started watching Jeff and, I started, and of course, after watching Jeff's video, I went right over to Digital Foundry. Um I was smiling from ear to ear, uh, and uh, it was very interesting. Uh, everyone had their own specific points of contention regarding what they were able to accomplish in these videos, but the overall um, uh, uh, conversation from basically everyone, and of course, it wasn't just them. IGN had it. I believe GameSpot had it. There was quite a few. Engadget had one. They did theirs. Uh, but the two that stood out for me uh, personally, of course, was Jeff Grubb, which has become 
uh, a fan favorite with not just the uh, the Xbox community per se, but with the gaming community because of all of the behind-the-scenes news that he broke over the summer. Uh, and, of course, Digital Foundry, well, they are who they are. You know, like them, love them or not, they are probably considered to be some of the more go-to guys in the industry. Um and uh, l- let me just read a couple of the points here, uh, and I'll start with Jeff. Um, and uh, this is what Jeff Grubb had to say regarding the Series X. He says the Xbox Series X just it isn't just great once you're in a game or ready to start something up. Its overall user experience zips around so fast that I never found myself waiting around for it. This is an unfinished interface, so I'm not supposed to dwell on any of the specific elements, but I can speak to what it's like to use it in general terms. And I think my favorite example of this test that I did was for quick resume. The uh, He says this, this is the um, Xbox feature that enables you to pick up a game from where you left off up to four different games at a time. In my test, I went from Xbox waiting in standby mode. I powered it on, then jumped into Grand Theft Auto, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, No Man's Sky, and Final Fantasy XV in under 90 seconds. And that is pretty damn impressive. And I want to get to what Richard Ledbetter of, of course, Digital Foundry had to say. And he says this. Xbox Series X back compact tested. We pushed the compatibility compatibility mode to its limits and with some phenomenal results. He added later in the article, the fact that Microsoft is talking about four times resolution multipliers and double frame, frame rate upgrades says to me that the firm knows there is something special here. So Zemi, when you hear two prominent uh, you know, mainstream media um, people, especially Digital Foundry, having these incredible things to say about a Series X, not even talking about the velocity, the, the velocity um, architecture that these games are not programmed for. These, these, this is just brute force from the Series X, from the SSD, from all of the innards that are going to make this one of the best Xboxes that we've ever played. Well, how impressed and how even more excited are you to get your hands on this console November 10th? You know, he, we, we've heard this before, but actually seeing it is, is is a different thing, right? And we actually got to see loading times for a wide variety of games, and, and we got a lot of a lot of information uh, with backwards compatibility and, and those improvements there. And I mean, I, I was, I was, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't know. Like I, I'm, I'm, I was giddy before and I'm even more giddy now. Right. Um, it, this, it, in some ways it makes me going and standing in line for three hours and 30 minutes out in the cold. Uh, definitely all worth it. Um, I can't wait to get my hands on this console and play it. Um, but another thing that I really, really uh, enjoyed seeing and something that I was very, very interested in, you haven't touched on this yet, but uh, but I'm about to, is the actual speeds of transferring a game from yes, your SSD on your console, on your console to an mm-hmm. external or from the external to your console. And they had all the different, uh, all the different timeframes uh, for, for how you're doing that and which external you're using. 
But what I thought was really, really interesting was to transfer, I think it was a 39 or 34 gigabyte game uh, from your uh, external to uh, just like a regular external hard drive, not an SSD hard drive or external, uh, to your Xbox took like five minutes, right? And so I think for me, that was so exciting because I'm not going to be dropping the $220, unfortunately, to get that hard, uh, to get that uh, extend, uh, you know, um, extended hard drive space. Um, I'm going to just be using my external hard drive and to know that roughly in five minutes, I will be able to transfer over, you know, 34, 39 gigabyte, uh, gigabytes of storage over to my Xbox. I mean, that, that is, that is huge news to me. And I think it's definitely going to be huge news to a lot of, uh, a lot of consumers who just aren't going, who are going to be looking for that extra hard drive space, um, an article I was reading said that after the operating system gets added to uh, the Series X, you're roughly going to have about 800 and uh, 800 gigabytes of, of storage for actual games and stuff, right? Yes, correct. Uh, and and so you know having you know being able to transfer your you know current gen or even next gen games from the actual external hard drive, like a twenty dollar external hard drive to your SSD on your actual um, Xbox Series X and under possibly five minutes for, you know, 34, 39 gigabytes, I think is a huge, huge advantage. Um, and that that is definitely uh, some information that I was really, really giddy and excited to get uh, because, you know, storage is always an issue with these consoles, it seems like. And, um, you know, having it be able to, you know, use that external uh, and, and use it so quickly, I think is, is a huge advantage to all of us gamers. I, and I agree. I, I, I think that that was a great point that you brought up. That the transfer speeds are going to be so quick that you, I mean, like I said, it, if you if you have to knock, take a game off of your hard drive uh, and put it onto the Series X, because we know that there, that some legacy games you'll be able to play from the hard drive. But yeah. the, the, the uh, like, for instance, an Assassin's Creed Odyssey. If you decided to play it on your Series X, and why wouldn't you? Because it's going to make it look and run better. You would need to play it from the uh, internal SSD. But to know that if you wanted to transfer that from uh, from your you know your standard hard drive to your SSD, taking five to seven minutes is nothing. You can go yes, to the bathroom. Absolutely. You can make a sandwich. You can go smoke a cigarette. If you smoke, don't smoke. It's bad for you. Go read a magazine. Go sit there and do whatever but it it, it 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 the ability see that see that's one of the interesting aspects and i'm glad that you brought it up because i i i, I you know you obviously when when the price was confirmed at 220 dollars which which by the way and we talked about this last night on primetime gaming to open up the show as part of the bits and bytes section um the the technology that you're getting via or oh, versus the price of that two hundred twenty dollars, you're getting more bang for your buck. Let, let's just say that. Now, granted, it is expensive. There's no doubt about it. And some people are going to pass. I'm buying two of them, uh, and uh, it's not because I'm made of money. It's because I have planned for this. Now, I didn't plan to spend two hundred twenty dollars on uh, times two on two cards. I originally thought this was going to be about maybe a hundred bucks. I was completely wrong. Um, but to know that the average person 
who still wants to, who still is going to support their old hard drives to know that you don't have to upgrade to an SSD ex external. You can literally use what you have. That that's a that's a big big deal. Flap, I want to get to you, and and obviously you can take this in any direction you want. But I'm I'm interested to know, you know, your thoughts regarding what they showed both on Digital Foundry and Jeff Grubbs. Uh, video. I mean, seeing some of these games run, uh, obviously they said they look better, but what was interesting, especially on the digital foundry aspect, is that most of the games were that were running on the X were, were, were sub 40 frames per second. Some of them is going down as, as low as 31, 32. Um, but seeing the hardware run at mostly a steady 60 across the board. You see, you didn't, you didn't see the green line dip at all. You know, in Hitman, you saw it go down to 55 and then go right back up to 60 in some of the more open area spaces. But it was tremendously impressive, and it's not even optimized. These games are not optimized. These are just brute. This is literally brute force at work. What were your thoughts, dude? Oh, it, it took me by surprise, to be honest. I mean, we've all been on a journey, haven't we, since December with, with all of this. I mean, X Xbox uh, have, have done well at sort of dragging us along this journey, as it were. And there's been there's been ups and downs along the way, N not so much in terms of good and bad news, but in terms of sort of droughts of news and things like that. And, um, yeah, it, it all got off to a very, very fast start in December, and everyone was really excited. And Senua's uh, saga looked fantastic. I, from that second on, I, I was bought into. The, I mean, I was bought into the system anyway, to be honest. But that was a real um, eye opener for me. That you know, could consoles actually sort of pull off this kind of graphical integrity and and, and uh, just the, the graphical um, excellence that was on show there just absolutely knocked my socks off. And from that moment, we've been on a journey um, and all the way up to sort of July showcase. And we, we know what happened there with regards Halo and what happened after that. And I think, you know, the, the shoulders in the community dropped ever so slightly. You know, we was all really desperate for that Halo game to come out. And unfortunately, it's not. And I think, you know, the fact that we saw it in the July showcase actually helps the community to understand that it needs to go back in the oven for quite a few months. Um, and then after that, we it, there was a big quiet period. And I know, you know, we were quite vocal on our on our channel about, well, what's Phil doing? He needs to go and do something. He needs to go and buy some studio acquisitions. Something needs to happen. And we kind of knew that the lid was going to be lifted. But this embargo that's just um, been lifted, that's just the tip of the iceberg. And, and I think we've got a, a fantastic level of information coming in all the way up to launch now. And this, this for me, was just the beginning. And like you say, to see these games running like they were with absolute brute force was, was mind-blowing. I know, I know Hitman dropped a few frames here and there, but imagine if, if that game was optimized for the system. And it's not even using the, the velocity architecture at all to get um, data in and out and the LODs and things. It's It was absolutely mind-blowing, and it's, it's really exciting. I, I, and I'm just keen to know what the next level of embargo lift is going to be because I'm guessing that we're going to start seeing some first-party titles on there. I'm really excited to see the medium running on it. Every time I see that game, I get more and more excited. Um I think Microsoft have done a very good job. And, and the, the good thing that's coming out from people like Digital Foundry, uh, Austin Evans, Jeff Grubb, Ryan McCaffrey, they, they all love the system. And one one message they've given is they wouldn't go back. And they've, yes. they've, they've only tried back compact games. At this point, they wouldn't go back, and they've only tried back compact games. 
So I think that's fantastic. And and with regards to the um, the the SSD, yes, it is expensive, but no, it's not absolutely necessary for the system because, like Zemi was saying, when you see those transfer speeds, I was really impressed with those, and you sort of think, actually. You know, buying your own um, USB three SSDs a lot cheaper than buying the the, um, the 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 Xbox one. All of a sudden, you know, shifting games around becomes viable because you know you don't have to download that hundred gigabyte game every single time. So uh, I'm, I'm really impressed with it, and, and I'm really excited to see what's coming next once the sort of next phase of the embargo is lifted. You know, like I was saying last night, I have it in my cart. I was originally going to buy. A, uh, a two terabyte um, um, SSD, an external a Seagate. I happen to really like their their products, and it was um, almost three hundred dollars before tax. It was two eighty nine on Amazon, and that's the cheapest I could find it. And that was that was for a two gig. So when you look when you when you turn around and you look at the size of the card, which is it's only about the size of a quarter and a half, right in, in size. But what you're getting in there is the four NVMe. It's there's nothing else like it. As a matter of fact, I, I think someone had brought up in the chat that the PlayStation equivalent is going to be almost three hundred dollars mm. when it becomes available. So when you you know obviously listen, folks, with the SSD technology, we we all kind of knew that you know the, the the prices of memory was going to go up. If if you if you want faster loading times, if you want you know you don't want to sit there for ten minutes and braid your your, your sister's hair while, while your game loads. You're gonna have to pay the piper, right? I mean, it, it, that that's the rea- that's the reality of it. Uh, you know what, um, Pugsley? Let's get your opinion on this because obviously there is a lot to get excited about. Um, we, and I and I think the one of the things that has not been mentioned yet that we were kind of talking about prior to going live was the confidence that Microsoft must have in these consoles. I mean, to think about, you know, just remember, prior to to these consoles going out for all of these content creators to actually start up and play with, right? They had it for a week already, a week. Prior to this, though, they sent out all of those mock consoles so people could, without the innards, so people can see the size of these things. Like Microsoft has strategically been putting out the information. And, and, and if you want to talk about a company being transparent, you want to talk about a company being like a piece of glass, literally letting you see everything. Austin Evans is the perfect example. They allowed him to build the console, what, four months ago, five months ago? That was in February, wasn't it? it was that was way January. back. That was way back in January. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they allowed Digital Foundry to literally break down and build up the console. Have you seen anything even remotely close to that? We for for the PlayStation Five, outside of a few mock-up renders, we have yet to see it in the hands of real people. So with Microsoft allowing sending out these 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 versions of the the unfinished versions of the series x they must have unbelievable confidence and you know obviously that is saying something what 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 were your takeaways from these videos from the the embargo being lifted yesterday they're very oh i was super impressed and it gives me more confidence into the future system of which i plan to purchase <laughs> i mean there was a, I can't remember who, I've watched a load of different YouTubers and videos of people that have these units and running them in back compat mode. And one in particular that um, I was listening to, I mean, bearing in mind we are um, 
watching videos of just back compat, so it could be different once we're actually running next-gen Series X optimized games. But one of the key things I also did see in these videos is that when you're running this system, the, the, the console's not making any noise, right? Um, like, this thing is quiet, and then a lot of people saying that if I didn't see that, that Xbox power button turned on, I wouldn't even know if the unit was turned on unless I wasn't mm. playing the game. And when you can uh, bring that back to the Xbox One, which I don't believe it, you know, I think it's relatively noisy. It's it's bad enough. But then you've got the PlayStation 4 as well, which almost sounds like a jet engine, no matter what you put into it, <laughs> sure especially about. more, yeah. especially more recent times as well. Like I mean, I was uh, back in uh, end of June, I bought a uh, Ghost of Tsushima and I've, I was enjoying that at the time. But geez, I mean, my PlayStation was going to take off at any moment or at least melt my TV unit. I mean, <laughs> it was going to do something with it. But I mean, even from that side of things, because I think one of the biggest concerns I think a lot of people may have had, or at least these companies have had, is with the cooling technology. Because when you've got these two consoles, which are they've gone from their custom kind of Jaguar architectures of the past, and even beyond that, when it was all power PC units, and now we're running um, custom Ryzen Zen 2 architectures. So these two things are basically PC builds. And if you are any, if you're a PC build enthusiast of any kind, you'll know that CPU cooling is a top priority that you need to, to lock down. And coolers, or decent ones, are not the cheapest. You have to invest a lot of money into these. So even just hearing that these systems are, are quiet and you can't even hear them as you're running it, I think it's going to be a big bonus for everyone. But what that also says to me, if these things are quiet, that means that the CPU is not being taxed enough to, to be able to, to do what it needs to do to emulate or at least natively run in the background these um, previous games from the, from the 360 and the original Xbox. So I'd like to think that this system is, from a thermal perspective, is completely locked down and complete, that the, the issues are understood. I mean, I don't think I need to remind anyone of the issues of the Xbox 360 when that was rushed out the door and then we had the red ring of, uh, of death yep. mm-hmm. <laughs> catered sure. to everyone in the industry. And I mean, I had two, so I had to get, well, I was on my third system in the 360 era. That's how many times I got those issues. But I'd like to think that now, if we've got those under control as well, and r- running into the new Series X games, actually these things are thermally and otherwise completely optimized for the next gen. And I really can't wait to get my hands on something new. Yeah, I mean, obviously this is the console. I think that, that in, in all essence, both both companies wanted to launch in 2013 they just they just couldn't so here we are in 2020 we're getting the series x we're getting the series s uh we get we we have a 299 versus 499 price point you're getting your your money's worth on both consoles regardless of which one you decide to go if you like for me i bought both uh i bought one i bought the series s for the room and i bought the series x for um you know, for, for for my main gaming area. Now, I'm sure there's going to be people, well, boom, I don't understand. Why did you buy an S? Why didn't you just buy two Xs? Well, the truth is there's going to be custom Xs coming in the form of Halo. Um, there's going to be a special edition. You could rest assured that because boom buys everything, I'm going to want to get my hands on that. So I'm not sorry that I bought the S. I'm, in fact, I'm, I'm quite happy that I'm going to be supporting Microsoft that way. Um, but you know what I want to do? I want to flash on the screen, folks, just, just because obviously, you know, they always say pictures is worth a thousand words, right? That's what they say. So this was pulled. These were the load times. I kind of want to just get people the idea of, of exactly 
what you are getting in the box. Now, mind you, these are unoptimized. These are not programmed or developed with the velocity architecture. These are just brute force running on the Series X versus the Xbox One X. So let's go to Warzone. Call of Duty Warzone, not that big of a difference. On, this, on the Series uh, on the One X, 21 seconds. On the Series X, 16 seconds. But this is where we start to get into the weeds of things. Red Dead Redemption 2, one of the most taxing games of last generation or the current generation. On the 1X, a minute 35 seconds. 52 seconds on the Series X. Here we go to, of course, The Outer Worlds, a fantastic Bethesda game. Six seconds versus 27 uh, evil within two 33 seconds versus 43 not that big of a deal but this is where we start going into like holy shit uh territory sea of thieves 20 seconds versus a minute and 20 21 seconds that's 101 more waiting for your for your for your your, your mates to, to jump in there with you warframe Another pretty big game, 25 seconds versus 1 minute and 31 seconds. AC Odyssey, 30 seconds versus a minute and 7 seconds. We also have No Man's Sky, pretty beefy game, pretty sizable game. 1 minute 27 seconds to 2 minutes and 13 seconds. And last but not certainly least, and you can't see it on the screen, so I'm gonna just going to drop the banner for a second so you can see it. Destiny 2. Let's look at look at the time. Look at that time. You could logistically have killed the boss by the time your mates rolled in uh, into into the uh, into the planet. That's a huge difference. Forty three seconds versus one fifty two, folks. This is exciting. I mean, if there's one thing that people can stand, is load times. But you know what? Well, Jump can I? Can I, yeah. can I can I add something? Sure. Uh, and you might have literally been just about to bring this up. I'm not sure. Uh, but, you know, speaking of speed, another thing that I was just absolutely excited for and, and, and shocked to see, you know, finally on an Xbox. And I don't think anyone's actually brought this up yet, but I could be mistaken. Was the UI, the user interface, the Xbox dashboard, yeah. seeing how quick. That sucker was just scrolling around, loading up the store page, uh, you know, just opening different items and stuff like that. I, I mean, like, you know, like, like, like completely disregarding the games, which makes no sense because I mean, we're all about the games here. But, you know, just like just I just opening up the store page and opening up your friends list and all of that different stuff that just kind of seems to drag on and just seems overly um resistant at least for me to open up like it just it, it, it's so sluggish right now uh for me it really is dude it, it really is like it, it's it's gonna i don't even know what it's gonna be like it's it, it, to me you know it's almost gonna be like you know upgrading your pc right whenever you upgrade it or buying a brand new pc for instance right like your your old pc is all sluggish and 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 and, and it barely will load up a web page probably because of all the viruses uh we're not going to talk about how you got those viruses but probably won't open up because of all those viruses and then you get that brand new pc you know and, yeah. and and that mouse is just shooting across the screen so quick and everything's just like opening up at a flash of a click uh i think it's going to be like that for me you know, it, it's, I, I'm really, really excited about that. Just how quick the, the user interface is and how quick it's going to be to navigate around the dashboard. Uh, that really excites me. It's the small things, but it, it really excites me. 
Well, you know, quality quality of life plays a big part in gaming. I mean, wh- one of the things that I hear a lot, see, my wife and I, we don't have kids. It's the only kid that she has is me, right? So we, <laughs> we you know, so so our time isn't as, as, not that our time isn't precious. Our time is precious. But when you have a limited amount of time, uh, sometimes it's half an hour, sometimes it's 45 minutes, you know, you put your son or daughter down for a nap, you're expecting them to fall asleep for an hour or two, so you can kind of, you know, maybe play, you know, Mafia Definitive Edition. And sometimes we are stuck in loading screens, and by the time the game starts, someone starts crying. You got to put that controller down and run over to, you know, take care of your, your, <laughs> take care of your family. Yep. Um you hear that more often than not, and hearing the advantages, the quality of life advantages that are going to come with these SSDs, but more specifically, the Series X, just monster power is exciting. Does somebody want to jump in here for a second? Yeah, sorry, I was going to mention that, and those are very impressive things, but there's also more wizardry going on because I was really pleased to see GTA 4 running, and they were saying it was running oh in God, yes. HDR as well. And it's, yeah. you know, that, that feels like the future to me when they can just sort of respect the uh, retrospective add HDR to an old title. That's fantastic. But the other thing that excites me, and I think we're going to see this quite a lot, because let's not forget, Microsoft are all about backwards compat. They, they love that program. And I think devs do too, that, you know, there's going to be an element of um, devs out there that they revisit some of their older IPs and think, you know what, let's just let's, let's just lift the frame rate cap on that and let's let it run at 60, if not 120 frames a second, um, and, and some of the older titles and sort of breathe some new life back into those. I think that's really exciting. But the other thing we haven't discussed is how the machine learning could potentially be up um, framing from Indeed. You know, 30 to 60 or 60 to 120. That is so exciting to me. And I still think even people like Digital Foundry, they, they're still not sure how they're doing this. I'm guessing it's a machine learning thing but that's going to be so exciting you know it's interesting that you say that because i want to grab want to grab uh pugsley's opinion on this for a second when you okay digital foundry is probably the end all when talking about knowing how systems work right but when you see richard ledbetter perplexed on how microsoft is doing this it is that is goddamn impressive because they are very quick to point out any misdoings of said company, whether that be Sony, whether that be AMD, whether that be Microsoft. They, they, there's no hair on their tongues. What, mm. what are your thoughts on the fact that they are they as, as professional and as many systems as they come across on a daily basis to keep their site running? How interesting and more, more importantly, thought-provoking is it to know that they haven't figured this out yet? It's uh, it's a very interesting question, and I think if we look back to you know the current well, what is still just about the current gen of the Xbox One and PlayStation Four. I mean, this was at a time in the early twenty uh, tens where you know a lot of like things like cloud technology and all of these new things kind of happening that were a lot of things that we're used to now and the speeds of things through Netflix and whatever else. This was still relatively new and growing in the early twenty tens. So I think at the time, well, if you look back to to then compared to now, I think it's quite interesting to see how far things like streaming and cloud tech has really um and ai technology has kind of pushed forward in the last say seven years and, and as flap was saying there about you know how do they do it how are they upscaling these games unpatched unoptimized for the series x or even in some cases the one x and 
I think I mean, GTA 4 was a, was a 360 game and it's capping at, you know, it's reaching 60 frames, silky smooth, running absolutely fantastic. But another thing which I don't think has been brought up yet either is how games which were not even developed to support HDR support are also now going to dynamically have that as well in a lot of cases. And I find that really interesting, especially if you think, can that be applied to an original Xbox game? I mean, they actually did show that. Um, what what was the uh, the game that came out on the Xbox of one? Fusion Frenzy. Fusion, Fusion Frenzy. Frenzy yeah. Yes, they showed Auto HDR on Fusion Frenzy, a game that came out in two thousand and one. I mean, are we serious here? <laughs> I mean, that kind of that kind of game. I find that interesting, and I think that's crazy to even consider. I mean, that game is is pretty cartoony, right? So you can't really tell too much at least you can't from the small snippets that we saw but i think if you used to have this system in front of you and you used to you know if you had your original xbox set up in on one tv and your series x on another and you had both of these running side by side i mean my god i think you'd see the biggest difference ever but even then i think there's a load there's a multitude of other games um on the original xbox which haven't seen a lot of days since which i think could also do have a big upgrade i mean i'm I have advocated many times in the past on our shows that I'm a big 3D platforming fan. And there was a very small game on the uh, Xbox original, OG, called Blinks. If you, dude, might, Blinks, you might remember this uh, game. The Time Sweeper, dude. <laughs> that is, oh, that's, I love that. Listen, I still, look, uh, folks, I'm, I just turned 50. Not ashamed to admit it. It is what it is. Life goes on. But you know something? Even though I'm 50, I still love platformers. There, I, I just beat uh, about two weeks ago um, uh, uh, the, the one with the fox. Um, what the hell's the name of Lucky it? Tales. Lucky yeah. Tales. Lucky Tales for the second time. I and I loved every. I one hundred percented every every level in the game because I love platformers. That dude, that's a wow. Talk about a throwback. Blinks the time sweeper. Holy moly. <laughs> I mean, I think I even saw a tweet cover earlier today from Jeff Keighley saying that, you know, wonder how well the Series X can run this. And it was a, a bo- picture of the box of the Blinks game. And I was thinking, oh, wow, I've not played that game in years to come. And I can't wait to jump back into that on my Series X, believe it or not. <laughs> you know, it's funny. It, 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 it's, it's pretty interesting, a conversation when you consider... The way both companies are going, and again, of course, this is this is not to downplay Sony. Sony has their own. We we we, Zemi, we talked about this on numerous podcasts where we believe, and and Joe, Mister Baby, who couldn't be here today, agrees that both both are going down the same path, right? They're going down the the same path for next generation, but one is going to the right, and one's going to the left. Now, it, it, put, put it in however order you feel it's necessary. Me, I'm a lefty, so I'm going to say Microsoft is going left. Right. And Sony's going right. And they both have a next generation ideology. But what I love about Microsoft and what I think is almost you have to just stand up and applaud is their stake in the ground on how generations are important. The games that you own should be able to be played when you want to play them. And the fact that they're giving the giving us as as fans four generations of games to play as opposed to we see what Sony is doing and again this is not going to come this is not going to turn into a let's attack Sony we we, we they're they're attacking themselves as we speak Jim dancing shoes Ryan's is he is sitting in the corner rocking right now because he can't figure it out he doesn't know what's going on and 
I love the fact that we are we, we're all grown adults here on our Xbox podcast talking about Blinks the Cat or Fusion Frenzy from 2001, that if we want to play those games, we could logistically, again, I mean, let, let's, let's, be, let's call a spade a spade here. I don't think anyone's going to buy a $500 Series X to play Blinks the Cat. But if you wanted to, mm. you can. And that is what is impressive. But listen, folks, obviously, we're going we're gonna to kind of just, you know, turn this um, as we close in on 850 people already here. My God, that is insane. Thank you so much. If you are new to the channel and I've gotten over a thousand new subs in just over a week, folks, do you understand how big of a deal that is for a small podcast like mine that is a big deal and i cannot thank you enough so if you are new here today we say welcome we of course with open arms regardless of what platform you you enjoy whether it could be a playstation all you have is a playstation you are still welcome in this home um hit that like button and consider subscribing to the channel i guarantee you you're going to really dig the weekly live content but look we have to uh, really get to the crux of why we are all here. Now, obviously, I did a little cheekiness with the thumbnail. You see it in the words in, in the title. It says 23 reasons why Microsoft has won the next generation. And also in the title of today's podcast, you say, I, I wrote very simply, Xbox has no games debunked. How Microsoft changed the game forever. And we're going to get into that right now. Now, obviously, you know, the no games aspect for, 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 for being fair has been easily debunked prior, in my opinion, to the Bethesda slash Zenimax purchase. Because if you look at, I mean, again, sometimes it's hard to understand what Microsoft had coming because we don't have anything tangible in front of us. But when you break it down and you say it aloud, you start to understand that the 15 first party studios that they were going uh, that they currently had prior to of course the big bomb from from Monday from last Monday they had a pretty stout release list of games and I, and I'll break it down for you and obviously Halo Infinite it's going to be coming at the end of 2021 I don't have that confirmed cuz I don't really know anybody in 343 yet but I would I think I think it I'd be I'll, be say, I'll say this. I think it's safe to say that the importance of Halo is, is it cannot be stated more times than we've already talked about it. So by them taking a, another year and two months, you know, 12, 14 months to get it right and to release it around the 20th anniversary of the Master Chief and the franchise, it all seems very fitting in my opinion. But then you look at the other games. Well, we have confirmation of Forza Motorsport. We have Hellblade 2. We have Avowed, Everwild, State of Decay 3, Fable, The Outer Worlds 2, along with the Initiative, Compulsion Games, and Double Fine, which are working on games that we don't know what they're working on, right? We, we don't know what they're working on. But then when you add to the mix, when you add to the conversation, Fallout 5, Elder Scrolls 6, the next Doom, the next Castle Wolfenstein, and then you start, and then, and then you start, of course, adding games like Starfield, a brand new IP exclusive, right? And then, of course, you can bring into the conversation two new IPs that, yes, are launching on the PlayStation Five first, 
but they are new IPs that will eventually come into Game Pass in the Deathloop and Ghostwire Tokyo. When you put all of these franchises under the Xbox banner, what you have done is something never before seen in gaming. Now, understand that I have been gaming, and I've, I keep saying this, folks, since 1978. And I have never in my entire gaming life, and I've never gotten away from gaming. I've never been like, oh, I'm into girls now, no games. Or I'm a, I'm a police officer, and I'm too, too tough to play games. I've never stopped playing games. And in all of those 40-plus years, I have never seen any dominant move quite like what we saw on Monday. So... Again, why do I think Microsoft has won the generation before it has even started? Now, I'm not discounting Sony for any, not even for a second. They have their first party bangers. We know that a new Uncharted is coming. We know Horizon, um, uh, the Forbidden West is coming. That's uh, You know how I feel about Aloy, love her as a character, love the series. We know a new God of War is coming. We know another Spider-Man past Miles Morales is coming. We know we also have Miles Morales. We have Demon Souls, which is an exclusive. We have, um, you know, we have Ratchet and Clank coming at the uh, beginning of 2021. There's a lot to get excited about. But when you look at the moves that Microsoft has made and the moves that they will continue to make, I got news for you. This is going to be a much different generation, and I think Sony might be in a bit of trouble. Now, how much trouble? Well, only time is going to tell, but I broke down some bullet points as to why I feel they have already won the generation. And then I'm going to get, bring the panel in as we already crossed 900 people here. Thank you so much for tuning in. My God, Zemi, I think we could potentially break some more records today. <laughs> here are my um, my bullet points as to why I feel that they have won the generations. Uh, and obviously, it hasn't even started yet. Uh, first of all, they have two new consoles that, both, that target both kinds of customers. The 499 obviously being the most powerful console on the market, targets the 15% of the community, maybe 17%, maybe 20 if you want to really let your hair down, of the hardcore, right? Everybody that's here, we're the hardcore. And, of course, they have the uh, the $300 console for the casual market. Now, we know the casual market made Sony who they are. And if you think otherwise, I have stats for you. Okay. Uh, anytime you want to debate it, just let me know, and I'll break. I'll bring out the pie charts because the reason why Sony sold 112 plus million consoles wasn't the hardcore. Uh, the hardcore is 15 percent of that 120, 112 plus million. So you can say maybe, you know, what 19 million. The rest is all uh, uh, 19 million of those 112 million potentially are hardcore, and the rest are casuals. I would say yes. But Microsoft did something very, very smart, very, very thought-provoking and forward-thinking. Not only do they have the most powerful console, but they have the most affordable console at 300 bucks. And when you factor in the next part of this equation, Xbox Game Pass, well, now you're talking about a reason to own an Xbox console. Now, whether that's the $500 big boy or the $300 entry model, you still will be a part of the ecosystem that is going to grow based on the value per dollar spent, right? You look at 
the 23, 23 first party studios with in that 23, 35 teams making single A to triple A to quadruple A blockbusters. And of course, then we talk about Game Pass once again at $15 a month, 200 plus games in there that include first, second, and third party games day and date, as well, of course, as EA Play, which has 60 plus games, Xbox Live, and Project X Cloud that allows you to play your games anywhere, even your toaster. And of course, the last part of the equation is the recent announcement from Microsoft themselves, Phil Spencer, with the promise of future hardware after the Series X and S, confirming their commitment to the brand. Now, listen, gentlemen, and I'll go to Zemi first. When you stack everything that I just put into order, okay, that's not a fanboy list. That's not a wish list of someone hoping for the best. Those are all confirmed facts. And when you hear Satya Nadal, like we talked about on last night's Primetime Gaming, come out and say during the interview at CNET that they are currently still actively looking to add additional studios to their first party. My God, is it a great time to be an Xbox fan? What are your thoughts about my theory about Xbox already winning the generation? Do you agree or do you have... Another thought on it. I think that Xbox is in a tremendous, tremendous uh, position right now, right? Like there is no denying that whatsoever. And I don't know why you would really want to deny that, right? Um, they, they, they just are. They're in a tremendous um, position with Bethesda, with all of the first party games that they have now with Xbox Game Pass, you know, 200 plus games, 15 or $10, you know, a month, depending on how you want to pay for it, right? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, they're absolutely in a tremendous position. Would I go as far to say that they have won this generation? I would not. And the reason I say that is because, yes, from what we see right now, it looks like Xbox is just poising to, to take over the entire console market, right? But I think it's also, we, we need to remember that Sony, they, they are some resilient you know, sons of a guns over there, right? Like they came back <laughs> in the 360 generation and ended up selling more consoles than Xbox, right? Um, and and I believe it was 2002 E3 for Sony was not a was not a good was not a good year for them, right? Um, so so to say that they have already won this generation, I think is a little bit you know. Uh, I think we won't really get an idea of who has actually won this generation until halfway through this generation is over, right? Until at least, you know, probably 2023, 2024. Then I think that we will then get a good understanding of who won this generation. Uh, but I think it's still way too early to to say uh we still don't know a lot of what sony is planning throughout this generation we still haven't seen a lot of sony's first party games um and you know so so for that reason i'm i'm very very hesitant to say that you know sony has you know lost this generation and and then like i always say whenever we bring up this topic you know what exactly do you consider winning the generation Right. Because historically, it's kind of always been who sold more consoles. Right. Uh, but I think a better way of, you know, leveraging that might be, um, you know, who made the most money, who who is the most profitable. But, you know, it, it's very subjective whenever you're asking, you know, who won the generation, because there's different ways of looking at it for different people. Right. Um, 
and and ultimately i i i've said this earlier uh in the year and and i say this now still i truly believe that sony is going to sell more consoles but i think xbox is going to make a crap ton more money and so for me personally you know which one of those is winning the generation i mean you know from from my scale of it i guess you could say xbox but but honestly i mean still you know there's there's tons of different ways that you know millions of gamers will look at you know who won the generation i mean some gamers would obviously look at it as you know playstation made the highly the, the most highly ranked game uh or reviewed game all of the generation so they won the generation there's so many different ways that you can uh can determine quote unquote determine who won a generation so i, I think it's also important to kind of you know specifically say how you mean they won the generation, not just they won the generation, if that makes any sense. No, it uh, actually makes perfect sense the way you're the way that you and again, folks, understand that me making this this uh, this subplot into the conversation is my personal opinion sure. based on what has been presented to me by Microsoft and what my and what and, and again, of course, going you know, equaling to what Sony has presented so far and what Sony has presented so far has been uh, not even remotely uh, half of what Microsoft has shown us as customers for their platform in the next generation that starts in just just about, uh, you know, what, five or six weeks, not, not even, uh, you know, not, not even that far away. I mean, we're going to be, we're going to be, and I know that you didn't like the, the fact that uh, the X is going to have fingerprints left on it, but you know what, <laughs> those, uh, those rags next to your console and you're, you're going to be fine. But uh, Flap, I, I want to get your opinion on this because listen, again, this is my personal opinion. I, I think I have presented a very strong argument as to why I think Microsoft has already won uh, the generation just based on um, just j just based on all of the information I presented. But with that said, one of the things, and again, I, I'm I'm glad I remembered this at the last minute to bring this up, and I, I kind of want to throw this to the chat because I'm going to get their opinion on this. Um, when you, one of the things that I have seen in the last couple of days, especially in the comment section of all the shows that I have done, has been the running theme that there that most people were on the fence about the Series X and Series S because Xbox just didn't do it for them this generation. But then Monday, strategically planted by Microsoft, or I, I might add, uh, right before pre-orders went up, they dropped the mega bombshell that they have purchased Zenimax and all of Bethesda, obviously adding all of these major world-famous IPs to their first-party lineup. And in doing so, some of the biggest comments that I've seen from people is, well, before that I was on the fence, but now I went out and I'm reserving an X or I'm reserving an S. And that Game Pass, you cannot beat it with a stick. And again, when you look at some of the things that Sony has done, right, they raised their controllers by $10. They raised their games, first-party games, by $10. Jim Ryan has said they have zero interest in doing a Game Pass type of service for PlayStation, meaning that they're still going to remain very traditional, sell you the hardware, sell you the games, and it's just going to be what it's going to be. With that said, 
it seems as if they kind of they might have dug themselves a hole. What what are your thoughts on the theory of Microsoft out of the gate winning the generation? You agree, or do you have another thought and theory? Um, I like that question a lot. Um, I've played an incredible amount of poker in my life. I used to play in lots of tournaments and stuff. And I, I've always found it a very useful life skill to, to be able to play poker and see when strategies kind of play off each other. And it seems to me like Microsoft have just dealt themselves a 23-card hand. Um, <laughs> If not, if not thirty-five, because this, you know, let's not forget there's twenty-three studios, but I believe there's thirty-five concurrent projects underway. Is that correct? Correct. That's for thirty-five teams making games. That is correct. Well, actually, let's call it a thirty-five card hand then. Um, now, uh, you know, I know from playing poker that even if you had a thirty-five card hand, you'd, you'd pretty much stand a very, very, very good chance of winning. But there's no guarantee. Um, what what kind of intrigues me a little bit more though is is all of the focus is on Sony. I, I I think there's more people at this poker table than people realize. I think Nintendo have already they're just doing their thing. They're they're in the back of the room doing their thing, and that's absolutely fine. Nintendo are Nintendo. I think we've also got Google Stadia at the table and Amazon Luna at the table. Um, and I think Microsoft are actually quite cagey about those as well. I think they're actually looking over Sony's head. With, with this current coming generation. And I think the $7.5 billion acquisition was actually um, a statement of intent about the future. And it's actually that that gets me more excited than anything else because it proves to me that they are really in this for the long haul and they are fending off um, competition left, right, and center. And I think they see, like I say, Amazon Stadia. I know I know it's not a great service. I know all of the pricing structures are wrong, but I still think Microsoft are wary because they've got many bucks in the bank that they can spend mm -hmm. just like Microsoft, and they can turn things around. If um, I think we've also got Sony to thank for where we are as Xbox fans at this moment in time. It, it reminds me of a quote back from a, a Japanese emperor after Pearl Harbor. He said, I think we've awoken a sleeping giant. And I think that's exactly what's happened with Sony and Microsoft. Microsoft are incredibly good at learning from their mistakes. And as Pucks alluded to earlier, you know, the red ring of death in a 360 era, that will never happen again on a Microsoft console. They have learned from that. Um, coming in more expensive um, with less power, they will never do that ever again. That's why they've hit the narrative this time around with a cheaper machine. Uh, sorry, cost for cost cheaper machine if, you, if you're comparing it to the power. But they've also got the narrative of the Xbox Series S. That's a cheaper machine. I think they wanted to launch first. They, they are innovating with regards to things like Game Pass, cloud gaming. The, the, they're not looking at Sony, I don't believe. I think you're right. I think Sony might be a little bit in trouble. And we, we actually had a topic on our podcast on Sunday saying, you know, is the is the current Sony business model defunct at this moment in time? And with, you know, the, the missteps that Sony seem to be making, I, I am a little worried for Sony, and I, I'm not sure what's coming. I don't know why we haven't seen their consoles yet. Um, you know, they, they haven't had the teardown like they did with Austin Evans and Digital Foundry back in January. People haven't got the hardware on their shelves and can test it. All of the momentum is with Microsoft at the moment. Um, I, I'm, I'm just a little bit confused by Sony, if I'm honest, but I, I personally think Microsoft, you know, they, they can see more players sat at the table. And I think if Google Stadia 
can turn that particular ship round and Amazon go out and nab some very big studios to make it exclusively content for their platform, then I think Sony are even even more trouble. And I, I just think that Microsoft at this moment in time are slightly ahead of the game and I think they're in a very comfortable position. But as, as I can tell you, you know, even if you think you've got the winning hand, you've still got to play it carefully. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. I, I again, I, I think you you raise a fantastic question. Answering uh, what I thought to be a very thought provoking question is Sony has has been quiet, but you know, I I know that we have talked. We we were talking prior to going live about Sony being coy and and quiet has worked for them in the past, but we're we are crossing a deadline. Uh, where the closer we get to um, the launch of these consoles, which is November 10th and 12th, respectively, the more we seem to know about Microsoft's console, the less we start to know about Sony's box. And outside of one picture of three of the workers from the factory that are building the PlayStation 5, them, the one gentleman holding it in his hands in the middle and the two standing on, on the left and right and where they took the picture on, and they posted it on Twitter, that is as, as much as we've seen a PlayStation 5. I mean, again, just look at what some, some of the things Microsoft has been doing, right? Besides the breakdowns, besides the teardowns, besides giving different versions of the console, one with the out, no, no, no innards in it, just to show you the size, right? We, you know, um, now they're, they're, they, they've, you know, they're sending the, the console you know, half ready to go, just allowing them to see games running for backwards compatibility, right? Um, we're starting to see on all kinds of forms of social media, whether it be Reddit, whether it be Twitter, whether it be 4chan, whether it be Facebook, the um, Series X kiosks are starting to show up at Best Buy, at, at, at Targets, at GameStops, right? At your local Walmarts, they're they're there. You get to see the console, and they have a video running. Now, are you playing the console? No, but it's showing you games running. You don't. You have. We have not seen anything from Sony. We've seen um, uh, Jeff Keighley blow into a controller. We've seen him go gaga over the controller, but we haven't seen him display the console. Him of all people, you would think that if there's one person. That is going to display the PlayStation Five. Show him holding it. Show it standing on his, on his desk at home. It would be Jeff Keighley. The only thing that we have heard is that there are going to be a select few Japanese YouTubers that are going to get a chance to show some content running on the PlayStation Five, and we don't even know when that's happening. But why not the YouTube community here in the States? Why not a digital foundry? Why not an Austin Evans? You see, these are the questions that make me push the narrative that Microsoft has, in fact, won the generation simply because they are doing everything that Sony is not. But real quick, before I bring in uh, Pugsley, I want to welcome Dreadpool to the show. Thanks for so much for being here, Dread. Glad you had a chance to fly in. Hopefully you tucked your cape, your glasses are on, and people don't know who you actually are. Welcome to the program. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I actually did all that before I asked for directions, and you know what Excellent. happens when you do that. <laughs> they give you the wrong directions. <laughs> no, but yeah, I just got out of work, so my apologies, but I'm here now, so let's let's get it on and keep going. 
Well, definitely going to bring you into the conversation. You got here in the nick of time, and I think we'll, we'll uh, reiterate the question in a second. But you know what? Let me just catch up on a tremendous amount of Super Chats that have come in since the first. And by the way, folks, we are past 1,000 people here in the chat. I mean, 1,000 people are listening to this show. My God, thank you so much for being here and supporting Double Barrel Gaming. I hope that you are having as much fun as I am because I am smiling from ear to ear like a chassire cat. But let me catch up on some of the Super Chats. We have good friend of the show, generous friend of the show, Nightwolf3186 drops the first Super Chat of the day of $2 and says, another show today. I will take it gladly. Well, thank you, sir. We have Manga, Ma Manga KI drops a very generous $5 Super Chat and says, um, I'm on the uh, I'm on the go a lot. I almost bought a switch, yet the third party switch ports are terrible. That is why I went to game streaming and I love it. Well, good. I'm glad that you're enjoying it, dude. We have Nelson Nieves drops an outstanding five dollar super chance. Says people that still say Elder Scrolls, Fallout, Starfire, etc. are coming to the PlayStation Five are not doing the math right. Do the math. Uh, it's funny you should say that because tomorrow. In what we are calling the great debate, Zemi Games and myself are going to do a very, you know, very impersonal 60 minute or so debate where I am for exclusives and he is not. And we are going to debate live on the air and that is going to be going live at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on my YouTube channel. Tune in to hear his theories and mine on why I believe these games must stay exclusive, and you're going to hear his theory as why he believes they should potentially come, even if they are a timed exclusive, to the PlayStation 5. It's going to be a very, very interesting conversation, um, and again, that is tomorrow at noon. We also have Eagles fan 76, a very generous friend of the show, drops a $2 super chat and says, I wonder what Austin Evans had that he blocked out. I must have missed that. I don't know. Jesse Darby, welcome back, my brother. He drops a $2 super chat and says, I think the reason they are there ain't showing the PlayStation 5. He didn't finish it off. Hopefully, if you want to just throw, you don't got to throw another super chat in there. Just throw your opinion and we'll, we'll, we'll read it live on the air. Smitty Smith, a very good and generous friend of the show, bringing us back to church once again he says hello panel and chat congratulations boom on 6k thank you yeah thank you so much dude super appreciate that he says thank you for your time and effort salute oh dude it's a pleasure to be here i love doing this i really do mark cardwell drops an outstanding ten dollar super chat and says reports from various developers that playstation 4 saves will not transfer to play on the PlayStation 5 version of a game, although no immediate explanations are given. Yeah, folks, listen, I'm looking into that. I have several articles, and I'm going to read this evening, and this is going to be a big point of conversation on Friday morning's Breakfast with Boom. And yes, folks, it appears that saves will not transfer over, which is pretty shitty. I got to be honest with you. I don't know what the deal is with that, but we're going to find out. Hopefully, we'll get some more clarification from Sony in the next day or two. Reggie Mobile 9 drops a very generous $5, which has this great show, boom. If Sony had the same hand the box has, they would be uh, it, it would be a no. 
they uh, if they won xbox offers way more than sony yeah well first of all thank you for the compliment and thank you for the generosity mark cardwell drops another five dollar super chat and says sporza motorsport 7 coming to game pass yes that has been confirmed as well as doom eternal and a few others kirby louise hey well welcome back to the show um he drops a five dollar super chat and says it wasn't a japanese emperor who said the sleeping giant thing it was admiral um in your uh, yeah isoroku yamamoto yeah you go who yes. had yes thank you had... well done thank you kirby <laughs> <laughs> who was the head of the entire world war ii japanese navy dude good on you for dropping that hot of that hot info, hot info. Uh, we have aaron um uh, drops an outstanding five dollars super chat and says i hope that the series s can play third-party games at a similar visual and frame rate level as the series x and the PS5 um, at a decreased resolution. You know what? I'm not exactly sure, but I, I ba basically the Series S is an X. The only difference is the GPU is downclocked, and obviously it has a 512 uh, SSD as opposed to uh, you know the the one terabyte. But they are going. I I, I think you're going to be very impressed. I mean, we saw that Jason Ronald video. And if you didn't and you missed it on Xbox Wire, I suggest going to YouTube and checking it out where they showed um, a lot of gameplay on the Series S and it was quite impressive. I and mean, they showed, I mean, they, for God's sakes, they, they showed um, Gears 5 running at 120 frames per second. I mean, that is a big deal. Uh, and uh, Midway 7 Monster, a good friend of the show, dropped an outstanding $5 super chat that even though Microsoft has been transparent, they have been quietly hinting exclusively ex exclusivity to their platform for some reason is now bad when Sony is is good. Now that's a, that's a that's a strong point. Well, again, we're going to get in that get into that tomorrow. But you know what, um, Pugsy, I, I want to get to the, the the point of contention here. You know, obviously, the winning the generation is just my opinion, and I'm not being cheeky. I, I'm just saying based on the fact sheets that I have put together, I believe that they have positioned themselves to outduel Sony in every way possible, in power, in price, in first-party output, in services, in value for your money. They have literally checked every box. Now, I'm not saying Sony is not going to have first-party games. We know they are. I'm not saying that they're not potentially going to have some of the things that Microsoft has, but we know they're not going to offer a Game Pass type service. So the value is right out the window. We know that they are not currently, from what we understand, actively making a PlayStation 6. I mean, maybe in, in R&D somewhere, but that's not going to happen anytime soon because the PlayStation 5 just came out and it's and it's severely underpowered when compared to the same price point of the Series X. We know that they don't have, I mean, they, they have a, 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 a $400 console but they don't have a 299 console and one of the one of the running narratives that one in the generation last this, this current generation was price and power right what what are your thoughts on everything that we that not only i have presented but the rest of the panel have discussed so my own opinion on this kind of particular question mainly comes from the value perspective so we've got a lot of information, obviously, when we got the reveal on the PlayStation 5 price a couple of weeks ago. I think a lot of people, myself included, we talked about it on our show about, you know, my God, they're, they're actually matching the Series X price. What a good value that is, because I think a lot of us um, originally estimated that this console could not be anything less than $500 at a minimum. 
So it was a massive surprise to kind of see that. Um, but in terms of the value side, I think the cost of the console is just the beginning when it comes to this kind of stuff. And I think a lot of people tend to forget this. So, you know, when you buy that $450 PS5 or Series X, you're not, you know, that's not just $450 you, you're paying out and you're done for. Oh, sorry. Is it $500 in the US? Yeah, $500. Sorry, £450, $500 for the consoles. Um, but that, and that's not it. That's just the beginning. I mean, you've then got to buy games to play on your shiny new piece of hardware or do you know or some other form of media and we've now we now know that playstation games are going to be selling for about 70 dollars at the minimum now which to me i mean converting that to pounds that is very you know we're talking 65 to 70 pounds it's almost no real conversion there so it's going to be an expensive generation and i'll be surprised if series x or, or xbox series games are not going to be much different which is Fair enough. I mean, there's a lot of discussion on this that, you know, development costs are going up. The scope of games is increasing and it costs more money. So therefore, you need to recoup that back in profit in some form. How do you do that? You increase the price. So to some degree, I can understand it from the business perspective. However, a lot of people, especially in today's climate, are not going to be able to afford a game every month if it's that kind of price. I mean, granted, I mean, I imagine in your chat and a lot of other people, there are a lot of gaming enthusiasts. It's why we're all here. We love the, we love this hobby. It's fantastic. We, we're deeply in kind of entrenched in it. But the, there is a massive scope of people. Well, gaming isn't just the enthusiasts. As you mentioned before, uh, earlier, enthusiasts is just a small percentage of people who buy these consoles and want to game on these machines. And of course, a lot of these people are young children as well. And, parent, and I like to come at this narrative from from outside of the enthusiast space so i mean when i was a kid i mean I, I felt very lucky to get a playstation one playstation two a gamecube or whatever i mean you could argue that comparatively the 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 value of money from then to now it might not have changed too much like maybe a gamecube if it was developed today might be the same price as a playstation 5 who knows but the 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 obvious part here is is that these are not cheap and especially given the current global climate at the minute there's going to be a lot of people that can't afford this so when I look at PlayStation and I think, right, I buy a PlayStation and I want to buy Ratchet and Clank on it. So that's $70 it's going to cost me or £70, whatever. Yeah. And then there's Spider-Man. That's another 70 And I think, you know, well, I, I need to buy another game and I've just spent $200 on three games. There's going to be many more coming out over the years to come. And then when I look at the other fence to Xbox now, because I've, I, uh, my current Xbox experience comes from PC. So I was signed up to Game Pass for PC for $3.99 a month here in the UK. That's recently come out of beta and that price is going up. And I thought, you know what? The price is not too different from the ultimate price. I'm going to jump in. I want to do some cloud gaming as well. £10.99, I think $15 a month for that. And I'm sorted. And thinking into the future, I mean, there's a lot of argu um, argument and fanboyism online about, as you say, the whole Xbox has no games things. We've just got this whole new, uh, new studios that have been acquired, which I think is fantastic. And they're coming to the service. Game Pass release day one, which I think is fantastic. But I think another thing which adds more value to Game Pass is not just the Bethesda acquisition. I think another thing which seems to go kind of under the bridge a little bit is EA Play is coming to the service now as well. That's launching in September for both PC and Game Pass Ultimate. And you think it's not just the Xbox Xbox first party titles with the Bethesda titles coming. We've also got a big third party in EA coming over. And now granted EA might get a lot of flack online and all this kind of stuff about their games not, might not fit to a certain audience. But the point here is, is that games like Battlefield are massive titles as well as every other EA title. I mean, 
hell, you can if you even if you enjoy Plants vs Zombies, you're going to be able to play that on your Xbox day one once it releases on for no Park. extra cost, by the way, for no extra cost. And this is what I think is a great value. So you're telling me that no, I it's better value for me to buy a PlayStation Five and pay for all these games individually and outright rather than me paying my $15 a month and I can play not only this massive library of Xbox One titles, but every future first-party title coming to the service. I mean, before the Bethesda acquisition, I maybe would have... I could I could understand what people... Uh, the PlayStation fanboy perspective was on why would I want to pay this money for all these games that I don't want to play? I mean, I can understand that perspective, but since the Bethesda acquisition... The value has increased tenfold for me, and I think for many other people as well. And when you then add EA Play to this, I can't see how people can argue that paying $70 per title is better value than paying for your $15 a month and being able to play this 100-plus library of games. I rambled on a bit there. I'm sorry. But... No, no. But no, listen, this is a conversational podcast. By all means, ramble away. I mean, listen, what you had to say was super important and relevant to the conversation. Uh, it, it, you're right. You're absolutely right. And you know something? One of the biggest factors that no one, and you said this, and I, I kind of want to bring it back to what you said, is taking into account is the current world status. We are in an era of covid we are in an era of financial uncertainty. We are in an era where people are losing their homes and their jobs, and they just don't have money for you know um, things like consoles. But but here he, here here is the genius, and we knew about this before. Obviously, COVID. It just so happens to be that Microsoft it positioned themselves and just kind of stepped in it, if you will. Okay, you don't have. $500 for a PlayStation 5 or even $400 for the digital. And even if you did, you're going to have to make a choice of whether or not you're buying Miles Morales singly for 50 or the HD version of Spider-Man 2018 for 70 or um, Demon Souls for 70 or Ratchet and Clank for 70 or of course um Sackboy which I'm actually going to buy. I'm I'm actually looking forward to that cuz again we talked about this privately. I am a big fan of 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 platformers that's 60, right? This is they they're, some of their 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 family games are going to remain 60 according to Jim Ryan. But what if you don't have all the money? What 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 if you don't have $430 plus $70, you're talking, uh, again, f uh, $500 plus for one game and your console. What, what if you don't have that? But what if you have $35? What if you have $25? Wow. <laughs> you can use the Xbox All Access program, and you can get yourself a brand new, most powerful console at $35 a month. Oh, and by the way, Oh, and by the way, consumer that can only afford $35 a month, you don't have to spend anything else because Xbox Live and Xbox Game Pass for two years is included in that $35 a month. So not only are you getting the world's most powerful console, you are set up with an unlimited amount of games going into Game Pass that now includes 200-plus games day and date first party second party indies and potentially third party games but you're also getting EA play my god 
The, the, like King always says, who did that for you? Well, his name is Phil Spencer. He did that for everyone. And that is one of the main reasons and one of the, the absolute reasons I want to punch myself in the face. How did I leave that off of the list? Because that is one of the contributing factors, price. Being able to afford a next-generation console, Microsoft has made that easier than ever. And it's not just at the Microsoft store. You can do this at Walmart. You can do this at Target. You can do it at Best Buy. You can do it at Amazon. You can do it at GameStop. You walk in, say, say what are you here for? I'm here to reserve my console for, uh, for um, Xbox All Access. They take your information. You get approved, and you're done. That is another main reason why I think Microsoft not only will rocket out of the gate, but I think completely dominate the next generation because I believe, in my opinion, they they caught Sony sleeping. They caught Sony standing on their laurels instead of preparing for the future. Now, Dreadpool, you've heard everyone's opinion on this. So obviously, my question to you is, is actually quite simple. Let me just bring up my, my teleprompter because it went dark because we weren't using it. Hold on just one second. We'll get that right now. Okay, here we go. My question to you, Dreadpool, is quite simple. And there are two important questions that I want to ask, and I know that you're going to break it down in the normal way that you do. Has Microsoft positioned themselves to win next generation when the deck is so stacked against the typical thinking PlayStation? And more importantly, has Phil Spencer and Team Xbox outmaneuvered the current market leader going into the next generation? What, what are your thoughts on these two questions? Okay, well, I might actually answer both of those questions all together in one in by one. all means however you want to do it brother so, i don't think he's looking at winning next generation i think he's looking at winning the future generations mm. the way that he's he's playing chess okay we've heard this before everybody else is busy playing checkers he's playing chess okay who who's his uh number one enemy right now right when it comes to competition in business he didn't say sony no, he didn't. He said right. Google and Amazon is who he right. said. And Google has been fumbling the ball left and right. You know, they have uh, their their service is not even digital. It, it's not even physical in a in a digital way, because if that service goes away, it's gone. You know what I mean? So, I mean, granted, you could it, it could still be the said the same way for X Cloud. You know, and, and all that stuff. If that goes away, it's dead. But if you already have it downloaded on your console, it's going to work for a certain amount of time. Uh, even your discs are technically digital now. It's just all DRM. Uh, you put in your disc day one, and guess what? You still have to do an update before you can even play the game. So we're, we're all getting to that point. Even Sony's having their discs that way. Okay, so we're all in a digital world now. But we have something physical we can play on as long as we're able to log in and register our, our um, D, uh, digital rights manager, D, DRM. Thank you. Yeah, DRM. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As long as you can manage your DRM and log in and, uh, and, and validate it, you're able to play it. Okay. So uh, back to Google, they require too much bandwidth, which 
yet again, not everybody can handle the bandwidth. Even even the ones that can handle the bandwidth are still having issues because the, the data servers are too far away. Microsoft, obviously Xbox, right? They are uh, more, more of their data servers are all over the place. So they've been converting a lot of their other data servers for Xbox, not, not just the Azure servers doing that for Xbox. They're also doing it for Sony. So Sony, yet again, is a customer and a competitor. All right. So it's a, it's a multi-phase thing, but they're not looking at them as the true narrative of we need to beat them. They just need to make sure that they're on top. Okay. Windows isn't where it's at because they're just worried about Apple. They were worried about everybody. So when Google came into the market, same thing. Microsoft had to navigate around what was going on with Google. You know, you had Linux for the longest time as the alternative, you know, um, so you had Linux, Windows, and Apple, right? So they, they're used to fighting more than one one enemy, right? So, and I'm saying enemy for, for a reason, because the way that these console warriors fight over everything, <laughs> this is how it is. It, it's like it's the enemy. So, but it's, it's all competition. It's business is business. You know, you either win or you lose. If you're not winning, you're going, you're closing your doors. Right. So, uh, you know, the florist on the road is fighting with the other florist on the road. But what do they do if they team up together? They can fight the big conglomerate florist that that just ships everything, you know, frozen over. So the same same things going on here. Microsoft's diversifying yet again. Xbox is diversifying. OK, so you're getting your console and it's not just the five hundred dollar console. You're getting a, a console that's equal to it when it comes to power, not graphical but power in the CPU side of running the games. So the games really run the same. It's just, do you have a 4K machine or a 1440p machine, which will be up, up via checkerboarding or anything else to 4K. Yeah. So there there's, you know, when you're looking at all this and everything that they're doing to future proof their technology, right? So they, they've already went with NVIDIA, uh, RDNA 2. You got all this stuff going on with the console internally that you take your old games and you're still able to play. You're going to be taking your new games and also next gen is, are going to continue on with you for the following gen and so forth. So it's not just your OG Xbox. It's not just your 360. It's not just your one. It's going to be your series consoles and everything after that are going to all come with you and just keep on escalating. So everybody's got 700 to a thousand games right now that we own, right? It's going to keep doing the same thing. It's just going to keep increasing as we go. And, and here's, here's the other thought is when you, when you're looking at it that way, that's a lot of money to lose. Right. But with game pass, you don't have to worry about it. You know, you get, your, you get to keep the old games that you had before, you don't have to worry about Connect being defunct and not being worked on for the series. So those that bought Connect games from the 360 learned that hard lesson on the on the Xbox One, and those went from the One are also yet again learning that lesson of there's no more Connect, plain and simple. You know, so they're gonna you're not gonna be able to bring that with you, but all the rest of your games are coming with. So and and that's the precedent is you're no longer gonna be buying these games. And losing out when you move on to the next console, you don't have to worry about holding on to your old console to place those certain games anymore. You know, and with with uh, xCloud, you're still able to access Game Pass. You can access um, 
straight from your console. You don't even have to go to game uh, xCloud. You can go right to your console and stream those games. So you can be next door and you're like, hey, check this out, Billy. And you're playing on your phone or you're playing on your tablet or you're playing on Billy's TV from your console because it's closer than their servers. Right. So there's there's a lot of those things that people aren't aren't uh, thinking about. They're they're too busy pinpointing little details that they're forgetting about. This is a collection of, of technology working hand in hand together. You want to play the best? You buy the X. You want to play just as well? You can get the S. If you really don't care because you want to be portable, you have your phone or your tablet. Yep. You know, and and if you really don't care, you could also play on the TV. You know, it's it's getting to that point. So, it, it's it's the nitpicking over in a well-oiled oh, excuse me over a well-oiled machine that is you're they're not looking at next gen. They're looking far beyond it. Same thing with Nintendo. Nintendo does the same thing. They already have like uh what, what was it that, uh, from what I recall they said. Two or three generations from where they're at now is what they're working on in the future. All right. So they don't even have the Nintendo Pro Switch, whatever you want to call it. Uh, they have something else beyond that that they're also working on. Okay. So at the same time, their thought isn't what's next. It's what's next further down the line for the future. This is what Microsoft is doing. And this is what Xbox is doing. When something fails, not a big deal. You've got so many other other tentacles out there that will keep it sustained. So the money's coming in nonetheless. It doesn't matter if you buy the console or if you just get Game Pass or Ultimate Game Pass. You're in the ecosystem. They're still making money. That's true. I mean, I mean, listen, what Microsoft has done to set themselves up has been a long time coming. And obviously, you know, Phil got the got the promotion in late 2017. And it has been, and, I, and again, I know there were a lot of people that did not see the vision that people that supported Phil Spencer very early on, like myself, did because they weren't looking past the tip of their nose. They wanted immediate results. And I, I've said this on numerous podcasts it takes a lot to turn a ship this big. It, you, you just cannot do it overnight. And, and everything that Phil has done up until now has made it possible for all of these things that we just broke down. I mean, it, it, it's quite impressive going into the next generation. And again, no, no one is no one is going to sit here and dare say, I mean, you're going to you have you can overlook or discount Sony. But Sony, in retrospect of it all, yes. Are they a competitor to, to the Xbox? Shoulder to shoulder? Yes, because they both sell consoles. They're both publishers. Right, they both develop games for their services and for their platforms. But when you look past Sony, you gotta look at you gotta look at Amazon. You gotta look at Stadia, Google Stadia. Now, Google Stadia, like you said, they've been fumbling. We don't know how 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 uh, Amazon is going to respond. I mean, that controller looks kind of dope, but that's you know. We don't know much more. I mean, we know that you know there's going to be low latency. We know it's going to be five dollars a month. Is it five or is it six dollars? Five ninety nine a month. It's it's not expensive to get their service. That you you know you're getting uh, Ubisoft games day and date, which is pretty impressive. Pretty pretty impressive. They must have spent a you know significant amount of money on that. 
But if you're asking me where do I want to play, well, it's not certainly not going to be on you know the the Amazon platform or Google Stadia. It's going to be on my Xbox or my PlayStation, you know, five or whatever. But listen, folks, this this has been a fantastic conversation. I mean, obviously, we hope that the near one thousand people that are here are enjoying uh, the the banter. Um, obviously, this was an opinion piece, and you know, so I see a lot of people in the chat agreeing with me about the, the winning. And again, we're not I'm not doing this from a fanboy point of view. I'm doing it from let, let, let's bring some facts into the equation. But before we move on to the next topic, let me catch up on some of these outstanding super chats that have come in. We have Michael Miner drops an outstanding five dollar super chat and says, "Loving the content, boom, keep it coming." Well, thank you, sir. I do appreciate that. Everborn Saga, who was a guest on the longest episode of primetime gaming ever in the history of its inception last night uh, drops an outstanding five dollars super chat says what up fellas great show just thought just uh just a thought sony is fighting the last war ms is fighting the next war they are in two entirely different leagues and i absolutely agree with that statement yeah, that, that is a great point. Uh, Midway 7 Monster drops another outstanding $5 super chat and says, even though Microsoft has been transparent, they have been equally hinting exclusivity to the platform for some reason. Oh, no, wait a second. I read that already for some reason. I'm sorry. Yeah, I read that already. Um, he says um, exclusivity to their platform for some reason it is now bad when Sony... Uh, for Sony, it's good. Um, Everborn Saga drops another outstanding $5 Super Chat and says, just putting this into the universe, a Sonic game developed by Rare. Yes, please. But to be honest with you, I'm still waiting on a new Banjo-Kazooie, and that is just me. I know people are going to boo for that, but I love Banjo, and I'd love to see a new Banjo for sure. Uh, Redeemed Soul drops a $2 Super Chat. Thank you so much for your generosity. Remember, Sony fans have PC. Play Bethesda games there. I agree 100%. Those Zemi would disagree, and we'll talk about that later on as we give our preview for tomorrow's debate or the great debate i should say um sleep sound british columbia drops an outstanding two dollar super chat and says starting uh, uh, starting a rumor amazon buy sony game division <laughs> yeah listen you never know um elemental po a good friend of the show drops a oh, goodness a very generous twenty dollar super chat and says last gen the PlayStation 3 was big and expensive. They eventually made it smaller and made up their losses. This gen, they can do the same four years down the road. I predict Sony will put out a 1440p box to match the S in price and value. That would be pretty interesting if they did that. But you know something? We are hearing rumors that PlayStation 5 is, in fact, a 1440p box that plays at 60. And again, this is a rumor. And I'm not making it up. This is what's going around the the interwebs, and I there's no way to debunk that because Sony has not talked about the PlayStation Five. As a matter of fact, we still don't know what the digital edition will have in regards to the SSD size. Everyone is just assuming that it's the 825 minus 200 for the OS, but we don't know because Sony has not clarified pretty much anything about the PlayStation 5, which is why King David, good friend of mine who I consider to be a brother, still believes that they're going to delay this console at the last minute. But we certainly will see. We have Capono 
5150 drops a very generous two dollar super chat says sony has bangers you just have to give them you, you just have to buy them twice <laughs> that's that is very true case by case basis drops a very generous five dollar super chat says fun topic when you guys imagine initiatives perfect dark game what do you think of personally i see it an uncharted type third person p um ps but with a spy tech. I mean, listen, if that's what they re if if they basically release a Joanna Dark game that's like Splinter Cell from the initiative, sign me up right there. We have Sony Drone drops an outstanding five dollars super set and says, um, tired of all the Series X downplay, trolls running with disappointing load times when BC games are not patched to use velocity architecture yet. Listen, folks. Please don't be that guy or gal on social media talking about you're disappointed in load times. At least Microsoft is showing load times. You haven't seen shit from Sony. Let, I mean, let, let, let's be fair here and call a spade a spade. We have uh, um, Vazion uh, drops an outstanding $2 super chance. Remember when the PlayStation fans thought the UI5 was exclusive? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it is what it is, but... I kind of want to go to an, a fun topic to close out the show because I believe, you know, we have about 30 minutes left of the show. And this one is interesting. And I think, Zemi, you're going to dig this one. Now, in the world of RPGs outside of CD Projekt Red, there are two names when spoken aloud generates huge amounts of smiles that also equate to excitement and confidence in any game that is derived from said developer uh, and that of course we all assume it's going to be a banger as the kids say well the recent zenimax acquisition microsoft now has both obsidian entertainment and bethesda in the same stable, and it has raised some very interesting questions. One is uh, whether or not is it safe to assume that we will be getting Fallout New Vegas 2 as a console exclusive. Now, the question might be easier than ever to answer because Microsoft owns the IP for, of course, Fallout New Vegas. And in what I thought was a great response to fans' questions, if you look at the screen, it's very cheeky, and how and it's how they responded that has hope being generated by the community. I'm going to bring up that screen right now. This came from the Twitter of Obsidian, and Michael Hamilton uh, at iSmokerface asked uh, at Obsidian, so Fallout New Vegas 2 is legit uh, is, is a legit possibility right now. And as you can see, they, they did the little um, character that says, I don't know, or maybe, right? I mean, you, you, you can take this and run. And in a, in a story that I pulled from one of my favorite sites to get information from, and one that I, you know, obviously support through, through be, you know, talking about them on my show, is Game Rant. They confirmed that um, some time ago, Obsidian's Joss uh, uh, Sawyer, he was working on a secret project when it was revealed it was that he wasn't working on Avowed. He was working on something else. And for those unfamiliar, Joss uh, uh, Sawyer is a video game designer, writer, and director who has previously worked on the likes of Pillars of Eternity, Icewind Dale, and Fallout New Vegas. 
And while a month ago, the possibility of the secret project being New Vegas 2 was laughable at best, it may not be anymore. Now, we just learned that the purchase of ZeniMax obviously last Monday. So it's, it's, it's kind of safe to assume that being as beloved as New Vegas is and, and, and was when it was released, wouldn't it be pretty epic for Microsoft to tap into the fandom of that particular franchise, not just the Fallout franchise, but the Fallout New Vegas franchise. Listen, depending on who you ask, and depending on, obviously, mileage is going to differ. It is going to be different for each person. Some people will say Fallout 3 is their favorite. For me, it's New Vegas. New Vegas was an incredible ride from start to finish. It was so good I beat the game twice. Loved every minute of it. I don't play it yearly like some people do. But, Zemi, when obviously the the something like this could not have happened unless the stars aligned in a way that only happens once every gazillion years. But the fact that Microsoft now has Obsidian mm-hmm. as well as, of course, the makers of Fallout New Vegas in their roster of first-party studios, is it potentially possible that Microsoft knew about this deal obviously, because they were Microsoft and they knew that they were going to buy ZeniMax and Bethesda, could they have already been working on a sequel to New Vegas? Uh, I think that, I think New Vegas is going to happen. I will say that. Do I think it's already being made? I don't know, man. I mean, you know, because like the whole timeline of it just seems kind of weird to me, right? Like, why would they announce or why would they start working on a project that another company, even even a company that they were you know, that they were wanting to buy? But I mean, they, I, I don't imagine they owned Bethesda at the time that they started working on this project, right? So, so that's the kind of confusing part. Um, Josh, uh, what was his name? Josh, Josh Sawyer. 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 Yeah. Yeah. You know, so he was working on or he was a part of a project, I think, like what, like two, three months before we actually got the announcement that they purchased Bethesda. So, like, I don't know when they actually, you know, when when the the acquisition of Bethesda actually went through and they officially owned them versus when did they announce it? I, I don't know that, but it would just be kind of odd if they you know, had been working on Fallout New Vegas, even in like the early stages before they even actually acquired the IP by acquiring the company, right? You see what I'm saying with that? That That's kind of, that's the kind of weird part I have about this. Uh, it's it's just timing. And, and a lot of the timing, we just don't actually have, I don't think the information uh, for. Um, but Thanos, he said something very, very interesting in the chat just a while ago. And he said, Alpha Protocol 2. Mm, and one of your favorite games one of my favorite <laughs> obsidian games and so be it josh sawyer actually worked on um alpha protocol uh it, it took me a while to find that but 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 wikipedia said that he did so he did we don't wikipedia never lies um so so i would not be opposed to seeing a alpha protocol 2 which is a game that i've been praying and wishing for every time uh, we bring up the name obsidian on this podcast 
but with that being said, I mean, I know that a lot of people want Fallout New Vegas. I think Fallout New Vegas is definitely going to happen. It's one of the most successful Fallout games. It is uh, you you go and you 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 pull a hundred Fallout fans, and probably definitely the majority of them are going to say Fallout New Vegas was their favorite game. It would make zero sense why Xbox would not want there to be a Fallout New Vegas 2, right? They own the IP. They have, uh, you know, Obsidian, the the developer who who made Fallout New Vegas 2. It's it's, it's the perfect, you know, recipe uh, to, to create a new Fallout New Vegas game, right? So I definitely think that that's going to happen. However, I'm just very hesitant to say that Josh uh, Sawyer, is that's actually what he's working on just because of the timing. The timing just kind of seems kind of wonky to me. Uh, but of course, that could be explained if, you know, uh, Microsoft owned Bethesda, you know, three, four months, you know, by the time that Josh Sawyer was actually uh, making that tweet. Um, but I, I don't know. I I really want an alpha protocol too, though. I do know that. That is what I know for a fact. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Every time you, you talk about Obsidian, alpha protocol one and two seem to find their way into yep. the conversation. It needs to happen. Um, uh, you know, Flap, I, I want to go to you next on this because obviously one of the things it's it's real easy to say Fallout 5. You know, it, it's it, it's real easy to say they're gonna be making, you know, the next Fallout or the the expansions for Fallout 76, which whether you love it or hate it is doing well. Uh people are playing that game. So Fallout has not uh obviously it launched pretty broken, but you know, obviously they have fixed it. But when you say Fallout New Vegas, man, you start to really get the 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 motor running in a lot of people who are diehard Fallout fans. Because quite frankly, it is a not it, it is um, a game that was not produced by Bethesda. It was outsourced to Obsidian, and Obsidian, in my opinion, did a better job than even what they were able to do with three. And I quite loved three. I put about 350 hours into three. I think I got every achievement, but about five of them. So I quite enjoyed three, but man, new Vegas was amazing for whatever reason. I couldn't even tell you what the reason is because I just loved it more. But now, now we're going to start hearing the potential rumblings of a new Vegas two, and Microsoft sure enough knows that there are, is a, it is a well beloved game. And if I were a Microsoft and Phil Spencer, I would be getting the ball rolling on getting that out first because that's a that that see that's the kind of game that even if you were a PlayStation player, you would be like, well, wait a second. I can't get that on my PlayStation 5, but I can get that on an Xbox. Well, guess what? I'm buying an Xbox. That's what Microsoft wants you to do, and that's the kind of first-party title that would do it. What are your thoughts on the potential of, of, the, of the gaming community getting a Fallout New Vegas 2? I, I think it almost has to happen to a certain degree. Uh, I think Microsoft are very good at listening to their fan base and, and have been for a little while now. And, and to see the amount of sort of traffic this has generated, and it, it just almost seems like a foregone conclusion. Um, I mean, I loved Fallout 3. It was the first Fallout I'd kind of played, and that was around in 2008. And Fallout New Vegas, believe it or not, is 10 years old next month. That came out wow. in October 2010. It came out two years after Fallout 3. And I remember at the time thinking, 
we've got another Fallout game coming already. And then it kind of dawned on me that it wasn't obviously Bethesda that were delivering this. It was Obsidian. And I think at that point, you know, they really locked in the fact that they can make this sort of open world RPG type game. Um, will it happen? I think it almost has to happen, but, but possibly not for the reasons that we think. I think obviously Microsoft wants to pump out these IPs that that they've now acquired and, and have been criticized for not having in the past. But I also think it comes down to Bethesda Studios roadmap because obviously, you know, they're currently working on Starfield and I think that could easily be late 2021, possibly 2022 before we see that. We've got Elder Scrolls Six yet to come, and that could be a number of years off. I mean, where do where do they slot in the next Fallout game? <laughs> That's a good question. So I I almost think that it has to be um, Obsidian that will make the next Fallout game. Now I've got a few theories around these studios, but first off, I want to say that I have actually seen a stream that Josh Sawyer did after the announcement of the acquisition, and he was directly asked if the if the project he's working on is Fallout New Vegas, and he said no. Mm. So. Um, you know, and let's face it, at the moment, they're currently working on Avowed. They've got Grounded to support whatever Josh Sawyer's project is. I don't know if they have room for a fourth title at the moment, but I think Microsoft... They also they also oh. have the content for, of course, The Outer Worlds and potentially... God, the I, I wanted to be... I wanted to be Alpha Protocol too, so bad. Well, he, <laughs> he, he, you guys don't understand. He's categorically said it's not um, Fallout New Vegas two, and like you say, Zemi, I don't think the timings fall into line. But Absolutely. I just want to say something about the twenty three studios that they've got because uh, if you look, if you take a holistic look at this, um, I think that this is such a fantastic position that Microsoft are in for a number of reasons. One of them being that. They can now outsource any issues that they have with regards to creating assets, textures, and stuff. They can outsource that internally. They've got so many studios that they can actually pump this extra work to to get, to get games out on time. So I think we're not actually going to see delays like we perhaps seen during this generation. I think they're all going to pull together and outsource a game that's struggling internally to get it out on time. But another thing that I think is very exciting uh, and something that Matt Booty is going to have to absolutely pull off and conduct this orchestra, as it were, is they're going to have to stagger their releases. They're going to have to make sure they've got some, some bangers coming out fairly frequently. And if a couple of games are ready at a similar time, then they can say to the studio, actually, we've got, you know, we've got this game coming out next. You've got an extra few months to polish that and get it, get it, uh, you know, even more polished and ready. So I think we not only are we going to see games on time, I think we're potentially going to see them much more polished if if they can line all of their ducks up and the Matt Booty can conduct this orchestra to to pump out title after title in a sort of a, a timed and planned way. I think the future for Microsoft First Party Studios is is going to be absolutely brilliant and a little bit like Ravensoft. You know, I think you know they're always involved in Call of Duty. They're never the main title, but they're always there, sweeping up, doing the doing the background stuff, and and just help get these titles out. And I think Microsoft now have enough um, contingency in their lineup to have a have a sweeper type studio that will go around help you know this some of the more major studios get content out on time help them deliver the projects that microsoft are putting down i just hope microsoft don't try and micromanage it too much um, because these these ips are beloved um and you know i think they do need the the time and i think vj's got quite strong points on this you know they do need the time to be creative but perhaps now microsoft have got so many studios lined up They've now actually bought themselves the time for these studios to be as creative as they need to be and get a good quality game out on time. 
You know, it's funny you say that because my uh, Phil Spencer was asked directly when being interviewed on what they intend to do with uh, Bethesda. And they basically said that they are going to let Bethesda be Bethesda. Uh, and uh, and I love that. I love that answer. I think it's it's they're not going to try and change the culture. They're they're not going to, you know, put their nose to the grindstone and to, to just to pump out games. I I think what you're going to see here is them return to greatness. And what do I mean by that? Well, with, with Zenimax obviously being the parent company of Bethesda, you know, we we understand that they they are in they're in this business to make money, and 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 sometimes you, you got to push the envelope. And we saw that happen with Fallout seventy six, right? That came out, it was rushed, it was a disaster. Um, obviously, Starfield has been in in development for quite some time. Elder Scrolls six has been in development for quite some time. Doom just came out. The first expansion it, it was either just released or is being released. Um, that's potentially a game of the year. The last Wolfenstein, eh, you know, with the, with the two daughters didn't hit as well. I mean, it was certainly one of the, I didn't finish it. And I finished all cast, uh, all Wolfenstein titles. I just, I just could not wrap my head around using the two girls. It has nothing to do with them being female. It's just that I, I thought they were overly promised and underused, uh, uh, developed characters just could not get into the gameplay and, and, and they, they just changed too much of it from what we enjoyed. So they, they kind of missed on two, but that might've been because Zenimax was potentially forcing them to pump out, as you said, these types of games where now with Microsoft, you know, they're going to let them just be them. And I think that if you can let them just be them, we are going to get something very special and potentially, you know, Fallout New Vegas too. Whether it come from them, whether it come from Obsidian, or and or check this out. Could you imagine if it's a two studio development game? That would be pretty epic. If you if you think about how Obsidian is who they are, Bethesda are who they are, and they team up. Uh, and they make this game, and it winds up being a triple A banger that you know is hits high ninety, you know, on the Metacritic. It would be pretty interesting. I, I, I put it this way: it, I don't care who does it, just make it. That that's just me. Um, uh, Puxley, let's get your opinion on this. Obviously, you've heard everyone's opinion so far, uh, and we don't have anything but theories. But it would be, it it would almost behoove Microsoft to tap into a particular IP like a Fallout New Vegas that has so much beloved, um, uh, you know, excitement for just the name to get a game like that out. Now, again, we're not saying rush it out, but we're saying it should definitely be fast tracked to be one of the next games that either or both of these companies, you know, deliver the fans at least in the next two to three years. What, what are your thoughts on this, dude? So I have to be honest. Uh, I haven't properly delved into Fallout New Vegas 2. I know a lot of people in your chat are probably going to hate on me for this. Uh, well, I was in my mid-late teens when this came out, and that was a particularly difficult time for me personally. I won't go into that. But there was a number of reasons why I missed out on a few titles, and that was one of them, unfortunately. But I have only ever heard great things about it. So that's something I definitely need to catch up on. Um, but I find it interesting when we say, you know, we saw that the tweet earlier that you showed about the question, oh, are we going to get a New Vegas 2? And Obsidian put the little hands up kind of, you know, maybe kind of sign. And then as Flap was alluding to earlier, you know, one of the, the main designers, developers was asked, are you working on a new New Vegas game? And they say no. And you go, 
oh well so is this like a double-edged sword thing going on like what you know are we just being tricked here but then one of the things that came into my mind as you guys were all saying your piece was you know how about maybe flip the words a little bit when they say are oh, you working on a new new vegas game maybe it's not maybe it's because it's not called new vegas <laughs> can you have the game in two set uh, in the same setting for two different games i mean fallout 3 was obviously in a different location to fallout 4 so why would fallout new vegas be fallout new vegas 2 why could not that be a different um i don't know state or city altogether why could it not be new california or sure. or new something else and maybe it's something like that you know it's funny why... it, it's funny you say that because for, for right after that game released there was a rumor and i don't know how confirmed this was that they were working on something called fallout new boston yes i remember these comments and, and that's some that maybe but maybe backing up what we're talking about now so for all we know maybe he can the, 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 that designer. I can't remember his name. Sorry, the designer can say, "No, I'm not working on a new New Vegas because it's actually called this, which is <laughs> New New Boston or New whatever else." Fallout Four uh, took place in Boston. Sorry, Fallout Four took place in Boston. Yeah, yeah I'll probably be a different. Yeah. No, I've got to be honest. When you when you see him on the stream and he's asked the question and he says no, there is a wry smile. So that there's there's possibly more to it than it was a cheeky smile that he yeah. had. Yes, that yeah. is correct. Why are you guys like? <laughs> like like conspiring to ruin my hopes for a, uh, Alpha Protocol Two. Why? <laughs> this is all I want. This is all I want. I mean, I think Fallout's got this big following, right? I mean, Fallout versus Alpha Protocol. I mean, I'm not the one to call you on that, but <laughs> I kind of feel that maybe Fallout has the larger following. Oh Correct yeah, me. no, for sure, one hundred percent. No, one hundred percent. You're right. You're um, going to hit an arcade, yeah. and inside the arcade will be Alpha Protocol Two. Will that work? Alpha no, protocol. No, no, it's just, just the one. Yeah, the arcade machine that says it's broken and no one's playing. Yeah. It's in the corner on fire, and it says Alpha Protocol One. And they got a they got a guy off in the corner crying because he can't play it. That would be Zemi. Yeah, that's that's Zemi. <laughs> Love you, brother. Why? Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> and I don't know, but uh, yeah, I mean, listen, uh, Pugsley, it, 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 you know what? You 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 make a really good point because, yes, could he logistically be answering the tr the, the question truthfully? Because he's not actually working on a New Vegas too, because it's called something else. That, that that's pretty interesting theory. I, I like that. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of the things I kind of came across because I think a lot of developers can be tricksy like that i suppose because you can mm -hmm. literally it's easy for you know people in the twitter sphere can read between the lines and run with any rumor and story as as they see fit and i think as i think as zemi and fab were saying earlier that it seems a bit unlikely at this early stage to think that oh now that they've you know um microsoft have now acquired bevesta and then own obsidian and you know bevesta make fallout but, but obsidian made this sequel which everybody loved and has a cult following so put those two together and what do you get you maybe potentially get a great fallout game and what um, you get what you get is lots more subs on game pass yeah absolutely <laughs> listen yeah. There's, there's no doubt about that for sure and i mean that that is a great point you know dreadpool why don't you close out this particular topic and obviously you're going to close out the show uh you know look when you talk about beloved franchises, Fallout is one of them. Now, granted, like I said earlier, Fallout 76 didn't hit as well as Todd Howard wanted it to, and, and for a lot of good reasons, but they, to, to, their, to their credit, have fixed the game tremendously. They've tirelessly worked on it, and there are a lot of people still playing it, but when you talk about the single-player experience, which is what Fallout is known for, uh, Fallout New Vegas 2 would be a game like um, 
like a flap just said about it selling more um, uh, subscriptions. And I think at the end of the day, that's what Microsoft wants to do. They want you in their ecosystem. They want you playing their games on whatever you want to play. Now, whether that's on the S, the X, your tablet, your PC, your phone, or your TV, they want you to come over and subscribe to Game Pass. And I could imagine that if you announce that this game is in development or whether it be New Boston or New Mexico, wherever, it doesn't matter, you're going to get people to jump in to the ecosystem because they're fans of the series. Do you yourself want to see a sequel to New Vegas? Dreadpool, are you there, my brother? Ah, I was muted. Ah, oh, okay. I'm sorry. Well, back to what I was trying to say. Um, it, it is a trick question because it was such a good game, and it, it's funny because usually, what happens is when when somebody is known for a specific title, right, and 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 as they move on, and somebody else takes over, usually that title doesn't have that. Uh, heart behind it, I guess you would say that that people love because it's 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 somebody else that made it. It's it's not the same original group of people that it, that have designed it from the ground up from the very first one. You know, you know we look at Halo is prime example, right? Um, with three four three, everybody has some sort of gripe somewhere with it because it's not Bungie. You know, if it was Bungie, it'd be perfect for whatever reason. Uh, Bungie obviously was done with it and they moved on. So back to New Vegas. Um, it, it's surprising that it did better than uh, Fallout 3 that it followed. You know what I'm saying? So it, it, it for them to do that, and I kind of agree from earlier where maybe it's not a New Vegas 2. Maybe it's another area, you know, uh, Brownstone or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, no, it, it, could be an, it could be another name. Just another area. It doesn't have to be a direct line of Fallout. It could be an, a sequel for for another spinoff per se, and I'm fine with that. I like those kind of games because it gives you more lore than the direct sequel from the predecessor. You know what I mean? It's just, mm -hmm. it's not just a side mission, but it's more than that. You know. So when it comes to something like that, I could see them doing, like I said, uh, Brownstone, whatever. But let's just go with that. Uh, Guns and Roses is stuck in my head right now. That's why. <laughs> but, you know, um, for them to do that, it, it's, it's, I, I'm, I'm kind of torn because I do want them to, to kind of continue off with, with Fallout. I do want them to also do a New Vegas uh, continuation or even its, its own thing. It, it, I'm kind of, I'm just game for, for anything, you know, let them, feel what they want to feel and make what they want to make, you know, and everybody's, you know, wanting their version. We've got how many different versions of the game that we want to see right now, you know, just from the panel alone. And I'm the oddball. I'm the one that says, whatever it is, just make it, have fun with it. Let us have fun with it. You know, uh, when, when they came out with fallout 76, they wanted us to create our own story. So they didn't give us much to go on. You know, so we're going into a world with nothing. And it was more realistic in that in that perception, because when you, you know, let's say we really were in a vault and you're coming out, you don't know nothing. You don't know what's going on out there. 
and there's nobody out there to say, Hey, look, I, I lost my leg. Can you go get my leg? You know, <laughs> there, you kind of have to pick up the clues and, and, and try to actually talk to people and see what's going on. They, they don't just have, you know, in real life, you know, you, you help somebody, you don't, you don't have that person in a wheelchair going, Hey, um, I left my soda at the store, but it was like three miles down the road or, or 30 miles down the road, you know, three cities over. And you're like, you're in a wheelchair. How did you do that? You know what I mean? And, th and this is how some of this stuff falls in play. So when, when you do something, like that, you know, I wouldn't mind the more realistic part of it where you're actually learning, but it also left it. So when it's, when it's some of these games that are the survival games that, and that's one of my issues too, is I get so far in a survival game, I get bored with it because I don't know what, what else is next. Sometimes we need that linear path to guide us along. So it, it's a catch 22 is uh, as good as new Vegas was. And, and the mods that they've done to all these games. So, I mean, some of the mods themselves were, were immaculate. So I, I'm even putting up a vote to let's get some mods in and add, add on to the existing games that we have access to. I mean, listen, I'll put it to this way. I, I think that, again, at the end of the day, Microsoft is going to want to grow the service. They, they want 150 million subscribers, same as Netflix. No doubt about it. They're at 15. The way that you grow it is by having content you can't get anywhere else. And that is a particular piece of content that would sell subs out the yin-yang. And I don't think it would be a survival type of game like Fallout 76, I think that what you would have is a single-player, story-driven, uh, high-narrative uh, type of game. Amen, brother. Yeah, I, I really think that's what you would get out of it because that's what that, that's what made the first one great. And I think that you would get that in you. You would get that, in my opinion, uh, again, just in obviously uh, the new engine that Starfield is running on with new graphics, and it would be for next generation only. I, I, I mean, listen, there's there, there's potential. Uh, they didn't come right out and say no, but they didn't say yes. And if Microsoft is smart, and we know that they are, they will tap into the um, uh, the fandom of this particular franchise and bring out. Now, whether that is two years from now or five years from now, I couldn't say. But before we get on out of here, let me just catch up on some of the Super Chats that have recently come in. We have Dan the Man Cunningham. Um, he drops an outstanding and very generous $5 Super Chat. He says, I love Sonny D, but I refuse to drink Sony D. Sony D. Drink the Sony D fanboys. <laughs> Nightwolf3186 drops another $5 Super Chat. and says, I, if I were MS... I would see if Obsidian or anyone under Zenimax would take on the challenge and finally deliver us an exclusive KOTOR 3. My God, that would be amazing. Um, Nightwolf uh, drops another super chat for $2 and says, guys, check out the new Valhalla trailer after the show. Oh, yes. I've been hearing people have been talking about that. I'm interested to see what that looks like. We have Francisco D'Anda. Drops a very generous $5 super chat and says, at this point in time, LG 4K QLED is better than the Samsung 5K OLED. Uh, most people won't go out and buy the top of the line TVs with every uh, with every single feature. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, you buy it for what you can afford, but also what you're looking for. I, my TV was upgraded last year, and I am ready for next gen. Uh, JD Gamer, not one, but two. A first $10 Super Chat says, um, from MS, today we are announcing the next game in the beloved series that we plan to fully invest in all resources needed to deliver the AAA game that players expect. Talent and time are only part of it. Um, and he drops another, um, uh, wait, wait a second, where'd that go? Oh, he drops another $5 Super Chess is built on Unreal Engine 5 in collaboration with both Obsidian and Bethesda Studios. We bring you Fallout New Vegas 2, the next super IP exclusive for, to the box. Yeah, if you did that, if they did that, it would be epic. And it would bring it. It, it would be a collaboration of two studios. It would be it, something like that would sell boxes. And again, I understand that that is not Microsoft's goal. Their goal is to get you to play in the ecosystem. Like I said, but just moment, moment, moments ago. But it wouldn't be a bad thing to see the Series S certainly outselling the PlayStation 5, which I still believe it's going to. I think it's going to outsell both the digital and physical versions of the PlayStation 5, and I think they're going to do it handily, not even just by edging them. I think they're handily going to sell more consoles, but We'll know about this once the console is finally released. Folks, listen, this has been a fantastic two hours. I hope that everyone, the 1,000 people that showed up for today's special edition uh, episode of the Xbox Factor podcast, of course, I want to thank the chat for being here. And, of course, we have to thank the sheriff. You know him as Lethal Papa, the man that carries a very big stick but walks quietly until he bashes you on your head and bans you from the chat for being an a-hole. I want to thank you for all your tireless work. Uh, listen, the, 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 the moderators don't get enough credit, at least in my opinion, and that's why I have to shout them out each and every show because they do the job that sometimes I miss. As trying to run the show, sometimes you miss the a-holes, and they are there doing the work, and I cannot thank you enough for that. And, of course, the Super Chats that continue to come in. My God, the generosity is unbelievable. But with that generosity allows Mrs. Boomstick and I to do these special events, you know, give away six gift cards here, $1,500 worth of prizes there. And then Christmas with Boom is going to be epic. And obviously cannot wait for you guys and gals to get the, um, you know, we, we're not announcing anything yet. We, with the prizes, we're still gathering. We're still working up what we're going to give away, but it's going to be big. Uh, Christmas boom is always our end of year celebration to the fans. And this year has you guys and gals have been very generous. So we in turn will bring that back on to you for the holidays. But let's get into the uh, outros and get everyone out of here. And first, we'll start with. The cod that keeps this show running, Chef Zemi, Chef Zemi. We have a debate coming up tomorrow at noon. You and I are friend. Of course, just remember, folks, this is a friendly debate. We're not going to be pulling each other's air out or dropping, or, you know, doing elbows or pile drivers. We're just going to he has his opinion about the exclusives. I have mine. We're going to come together. We're going to discuss it like gentlemen. And it's going to be a fun 60-minute program. Zemi, where could people not only reach out to you on social media and tell them that Alpha Protocol is the worst game ever made, but where mm -hmm. can they check out your amazing content? What? Huh? What did you say, Boom? <laughs> Boom. What did you say? I think, I think I need an apology. I, I, I'm not sorry. <laughs> okay. But anyway, don't listen to what Boom says. He's probably never even played Alpha Protocol. 
Have you played Alpha Protocol? I actually have, and I did not really enjoy it. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, it was actually reviewed terribly, like very mixed reviews. Like some places like ranked it pretty good, and then some places gave it a two out of ten. Uh, but I thoroughly enjoyed the game. Uh, but yeah, anyway, guys, if you want to, I do have two YouTube channels. The first one's called Zimmy Games, uh, where I post all sorts of gaming content, like uh, gaming news, reviews, and uh, tutorial videos. I also have a second YouTube channel called Zimmy Eats uh, that I have not posted content on in a very, very, very long time. But one day I will post a video of how to make the most delicious pineapple cake. Uh, and you know, to make sure that you guys see that, definitely go and subscribe at that Zimmy Eats. Uh, I'm going to be posting all sorts of uh, food uh, reviews and cooking uh, tutorial videos on there. You guys can also follow me at Zimmy Games on Twitter. I say this each and every show, but I truly, definitely, 100% mean it. Um, if you guys heard something during today's show that I said that maybe you agree, maybe uh, you agree with, or maybe you disagree with, always feel free to throw me a DM. I absolutely love interacting with communities and just hearing different opinions about, you know, all the different um, stories going on in, uh, in, in gaming. I really enjoy that. So feel free to throw me a DM at any time. And then lastly, I am now streaming on uh, Twitch and you guys can follow me over there uh, by searching Zimmy Games. I play a variety of games. Um, RPG, shooters, strategy games, all sorts of games. Uh, and actually, I believe this Friday, uh, because me and Boom are having our uh, debate tomorrow, uh, where we're totally not going to be throwing fisties at each other. Um, I, Friday, Boom, we, we're going to be streaming Man of Madon again, right? That is correct, yes. We yeah, certainly so, are. So mm -hmm. Friday, we will be streaming Man of Madon again. And then, of course, uh, I think... On tomorrow, Wednesday, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, and as well as Thursday, I will be streaming something. I don't know what I'll be streaming, but I'll be streaming Mafia. Yeah, I already beat it, but, you know, no. I, I'm actually wanting to hold off on Mafia de uh, Definitive Edition until the next Xbox comes out, just to see, oh, okay. just to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, because I, I mean, I could just go ahead and play it and, and get it over with, but then I won't want to play it on the next Xbox. And I really, really want to do that as well. Uh, but yeah, boom. Thank you so much for hosting this, uh, this extra Xbox factor podcast today, man. I, it was a lot of fun being on. Well, thanks so much for being here. Uh, d definitely appreciate the opinions and tomorrow is going to be fun. Uh, next up, we're going to talk a flap flap. Obviously not only were, was it great to have you back on the panel, but it was great to have you as a duo because you and your co-host not only knocked it out of the park, we can get you some advertisement to your channel, get the people to know who you are, and hopefully we get those uh, those sub counts up and get you to a thousand, get you, you know, obviously, uh, you know, get you cooking on YouTube because I think that your program is fantastic, worthy of a sub, certainly worthy of support. Do me a favor, brother. Tell everyone not only about where they can find you on social media, but where could people sub your outstanding channel? And also, I think you might have a special guest on this Sunday's episode. We do. We do have a special guest, and uh, it's going to be Mr. Boomstick XO himself. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> we're, we're super excited for that. Yeah, we we um we run a channel called Green Pass Gaming. Uh, we're on YouTube. Um, hopefully, links probably down in the description. We're yes. very active on Twitter. Um, it's so nice to see the chat. I mean, 
you know, we're a very small channel. I think we're roughly around 350 subs and we get, you know, roughly around 40 people in the chat. And to be honest, you know, it's so nice interacting with people. But obviously, you know, the more opinions and stuff that's thrown in, it's just such a great community to be in. And I, and I love seeing sort of counterpart, you know, counter arguments and stuff to what's being said, because, you know, as you know, you host your own show. A lot of it's opinion pieces and you know, none of us say that we're absolutely correct. And it's nice to see the uh, the other side of the argument sometimes. But um, so I really appreciate the invite, Boom. You know, it's great to be here. I'm really excited to have you on Sunday as well. But uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I am at Flap2, P-H-L-A-P-P, number two. Um, we're at Green Pass Gaming. Uh, and we'd love to see, yeah, we'd love to see people in the chat and um, just grow the channel and, and do it for the guys that, you know, that are listening. So, uh, yeah, thank you for having me on. Uh, dude, it was a pleasure to have you on. And obviously, we're going to have you back certainly in a future episode. Hopefully, there'll be some new breaking news that we get to talk about when not, when uh, Microsoft announces that Bungie has been purchased and is now part of First Party. But again, that's just wishful thinking. I've uh, just, just been DM'd something. There, there was, I don't know if this is genuine or not, but there is a, um, I think it was on Instagram, he, um, Aaron Greenberg. He's, this is going to sound crazy. He's literally just tickling a, a real hedgehog. His hedgehog's on his back and he's got his paws. I mean, he's just tickling him saying, I should be doing other stuff other than this. And it's like, that's another Sega Sonic link, isn't My it? My God, what are they doing to us? That's what I want to know. Yeah, sorry. I thought I had to throw that in. No, that is pretty interesting. I'm sure people are going to, there's going to be a running narrative that they're buying. I still think they're buying Sega. I just, I don't know, man. It's just the whole hedgehog with the two glasses with the green in there and the girl with the X in the box on the table. It's, there's just too much of it going on for it to be just a running gag. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it, listen, I, I, they have enough money. They could do it. And obviously, Sega would be huge because Atlas is a part of Sega. And Atlas has unbelievable Japanese RPGs. And it's a market that they're looking to make a big splash in. And, I mean, listen, personally, I'd love to see him buy Capcom. I'd love to see Resident Evil. My God, Resident Evil as an exclusive. But who knows? Who, who knows what Microsoft is? All, all I can say is that Microsoft needs to keep Amazon and Google at bay. And they need to buy these studios that could potentially be locked behind these devices. And the way that they do it is spend the money, and they will make money on the back end. Who, who knows where this is going to go? But Pugsley... Thanks so much for being here, brother. It was great to have you on today's show. We'll have you certainly back once again. Do me a favor, brother. Tell everyone where they can follow you on social media and where they can check out the YouTube channel. What, what do they get when they tune in to Green Pass Gaming? Oh, thank you very much for having me. It's been great fun being on for the first time. So I've been watching you for a while now, so it's great to be here. Um, yeah, so I am the co-host of Green Pass Gaming. I kind of my role is basically what Zemi does. So, <laughs> kind of looking at the chat, moderating the chat a bit, and I kind of help pull comments out so we can read and inter uh, and communicate and interact with our community as the chats come in. Um, as Flap has already said, I mean we're only about 350 subscribers so far, but we very much enjoy it. We're only about nine weeks old at the moment as well. For those who may have missed the intro. Um, so we're still relatively new. We're kind of finding our feet now, and we're kind of kicking off of that. So we are very much enjoying what we're doing. I, we also do some gameplay videos and stuff like that as well. We're starting to get into, but definitely try to tune in if you're interested on the Sundays to our at Green Pass Gaming podcast. Um, but yes, you can find us on Twitter at Green Pass Gaming. You can also find me personally on Twitter at Puxley AR. Um, and if you so wish to, you can also find me on Xbox as well at just uh, Puxley as well. 
No, thank you so much for being here, brother. Super appreciate it. And let's, uh, like I said, I think you guys are onto something big. You happen to get into uh, wanting to become an Xbox podcast at the at the at a proper time, in my opinion, because Xbox is on the rise. And uh, you know what's not on the rise? Positive Xbox shows, because it's real easy to shit on Xbox, and we've mm-hmm. seen other podcasts do it. You guys do it in a way that you do bring some questions and sometimes, uh, you know, thought provoking, harsh questions to the conversation. But you do it in a way that isn't finger pointy. Uh, You do it a way that when people tune in, they can understand where you're coming from. And I think that you guys will see tremendous success, especially in the Xbox community. And last and and no way least, I call him Superman. You can call him Dreadpool. Dreadpool, thank you so much for uh, swooping in as usual. And, of course, not only are you on uh, were you on today's program? You are on Breakfast with Boom each and every Friday, but you're also on another little program on Wednesday evenings with the great and glorious Wilmy Hood on gaming outside the box. Tell everyone about that. Where people, where can people find out about what you're doing on, which is very unique on your YouTube channel, and where could people reach out to you on social media? Okay. Uh, first and foremost, uh, I'd like to thank everybody uh, for showing up. Everybody in the chat, great. My apologies to the panel. Um, it's it's awesome meeting you guys at Green Pass Gaming. So it was cool to hear you guys uh, actually speak to you at the same time versus just uh, listening off after mm-hmm. after the show's already over with because I'm waking up. Um, but Zemi, you know, I'm your number three subscriber for Zemi Eats, right? You know, Dreadpool, I always knew that there was a reason that I loved you. See? And I give you crap just because I can. Uh, Now, here's the best part. If, and that's if, Xbox buys Sega. You know (laughs) who the publisher for Alpha Protocol is? Sega. Sega. Yeah. (laughs) You know, honestly, Obsidian has used a ridiculous amount of publishers. They really have. So that's a step closer to being able to get your Alpha Protocol, too. Mm. So that being said, you can find me on Twitter as Dreadpool, the O's are Zeros, YouTube, Gamertag, and Stadia for now. And maybe, uh, what's it called? Luma? For, yeah, Luma. Uh, yeah. I applied for it. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> you got to test it out, right? You got to see what's going on. So as you said, every week, Gaming Beyond the Box, Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. EST. Uh, also look for us on Saturdays for Playcasters where I um, commentate. But uh, right now I'm doing a sponsorship to a haunted house. So I'll be doing that for October. So I won't be there to commentate, but will me and the rest of the guys will be there. And then obviously, like you said, again, breakfast with boom Friday mornings at 10 a.m. And I'm also doing my little my own little uh, foyer into the podcast world. And I'm mixing it up, throwing it on its head. And it's called uh, breaking bread with dread. So you'll find that on Amazon. No, not Amazon. Not yet. You will find that on Spotify, Apple Tune or Apple. What is it? iTunes and iTunes. Yes. Podcast. It's it's all over the place right now. And uh, I'm moving it over to YouTube also. So that way there will be some videos to go with the audio. Nice, nice. Well, listen, I obviously, if you are subscribed to me, 
I think it's safe to say that you would probably enjoy being subscribed to each and every one that's on this panel. Of course, I want to thank everybody for still being here. We have over 500 people still here. So thank you so much for hanging out and supporting Double Barrel Gaming. Obviously, this is something I enjoy doing. In fact, I actually enjoy podcasting as much, potentially more than even gaming itself, because I get a chance to hang out with so many people and hear so many opinions. And again, I, I like talking about games as well as playing them. So of course, I want to wish everyone a fantastic Tuesday. Uh, obviously, this is going to be a very busy week. Uh, Star Wars, um, the new um, flight sim is out, or I believe it's coming out. I'm not sure if it's out today or is it out Friday. I'm definitely getting that. I wasn't sure where I was getting it first. Uh, I might still buy it on the PlayStation because of the VR aspect. Are you talking about Star Wars Squadrons? Yeah. Yeah, that comes out this Friday, October. It is 7th. Friday. Okay, excellent. Yeah, yeah I, I definitely want that. I'm just not sure if I want to get it for the Xbox because you get the uh, the VR aspect. I might just have to get it on the PlayStation because of that because I love VR and I obviously support PlayStation VR. And uh, you know what? I'm going to close up the show with something that's important to me and hopefully one day will be important to you. And that's something that my dad taught me when. When I was a kid, and I think it's more important now than ever before. And that's he, and that's this: treat others how you want to be treated. And also, it doesn't cost anything to be nice. You live by those rules, and I can guarantee you, you're gonna have an awesome day. So take care, everyone, and we'll see you this Thursday on the newest episode of the Xbox Factor Podcast. Take care, everyone. Have a good day. Be safe and enjoy gaming on whatever platform you enjoy gaming on.